Flight 209er, this is Denver Flight Control. You're approaching some rough weather. Please climb to 42,000 feet. Roger, Denver. We have a visitor. Hello. Hi. This is Captain Over, Mr. Murdoch, and Mr. Boston. This is Joey Hammond. Oh, hi, Joey. Come on up here. You can see better. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? We'd better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. Flight 209er to Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I'm seeing you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Bye, Clarence. Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of January in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday and welcome to day 12. If you would like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. So simple a child could do it. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 733-2970. If you'd like to join in with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings, recipes, song and dance numbers, whatever it is you might have. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. Richie Bristol is uh, standing by, ready, willing, able, clutching what looks to be a urine sample in a bottle and amazingly thin. Uh, to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. By the way, I'm not asking to know what's in that bottle. I mean, really, and this is, so please don't tell me. Here's the thing. Not only does it look like a urine sample, that is not helped by the fact that there's this weird foam floating on the top of it. So please don't drink that while I watch it. It's really foamy looking. It really is. 
Somebody's not getting enough vitamin D, Richie. That's all I'm going to say. Jesus. All right. Well, in any event, hello. It is uh, Wednesday. It's 503-733-2970. And the contrast couldn't be more stark, by the way, because Richie's drinking what looks to be... I'm not saying it is a urine sample. I'm just saying it looks that way. And then Sarah's drinking Perrier. There you go. That's the, uh, the entire show in a nutshell right there. Um, coming up later on today, CNN radio correspondent and famous face from the Drudge Report, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, will join us today from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. And uh, from the South, Ed McCarthy joining us today. We'll also uh, roll the top five. Uh, our good friend Tom Parker joining us later on today uh, for the news hour. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Oh, by the way, and Tom Parker is coming here from a dental appointment, so that'll be fun. Um, Geek Watch coming up today. Double Corpse Watch coming up today. And they're both awful. And by awful, I mean great. Uh, snuff watch coming up today. What else? What else? What else? Well, other things. So we got that. So we got a geek watch, uh, double corpse watch, snuff watch. I think we have a monkey watch that's been sitting around for like a year. We have not only one, but two monkey watches. Really? That's amazing, yeah. Is there the one about the, uh, the, the, the... Yes. But that one's been, it's like three <laughs> weeks old. But it doesn't matter because it's timeless, Sarah. It's evergreen. And there's another one about monkey meat. Of course there is. Uh, so monkeys are the new monkeys, so it doesn't matter. We can do that. You do, you do it today. Do it next year. We can do the same story five days in a row. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We'd like to uh, get on board for any of those things today. Also, I got the story about a man covered in feces, and I keep meaning to get to it because you know why not? Uh, but it's just it's just been sort of sitting here unattended to. So we'll we'll try to get that. I never got to the, the, the number of things that are just even in the new. We're already so behind. Let's see if I let's see if I can find this. Let's see if I can find the sen, the key sentence here in the story about a. Uh, let's see, is this Oregon? Yeah, this is a this is from the Oregon. Who even knew there was an Oregon Trail School District? Is that where all the students die of dysentery? Anyway, something. Let's see. Where, where's the phrase? Where's the where's the key phrase in here? Videotaping the buttocks of female students. Not so much anything else. Just the buttocks. It says here in the report, Mr. Castle only videotaped female students. A few students reported that Mr. Castle made them feel uncomfortable. So this is from a um, a series of reports. A listener hooked me up with these. These are state reports about teachers who have been punished or disbarred or whatever. You know, where they have the license taken away. By the way, one of these, the secret word is Nambla. So we'll right here. It's all very exciting. We'll get to that. Uh, and this is all true. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello. How are you today? Oh, hello. What's that secret little smile I'm for? doing well. No, something hilarious happened to me yesterday afternoon, but... It and by shows, hilarious, do you mean... It just shows that God likes to laugh at me a little bit when I'm down. Well... So, remember how I told you uh, the day before yesterday how when I went home and uh, I had ordered a Christmas present for the comedian... What is today? Okay, so yeah, so let's back up for a second. So on Monday, not to rehash all the details, but uh, Monday, uh, Sarah and her uh, uh, gentleman friend parted ways. Yeah. Uh, that was during the day. Yeah. So Monday during the day, you and you and the guy went your went separate ways. Uh, it was splitsville, as they say. And then you went home Monday night. Did we talk about this part on the air? I don't know if we did actually. You should go ahead and tell the story then, because so you so you and the I'm guy kind of busted up on Monday. Yes. And then you get home Monday night, and what's waiting for you at your house? Sarah? And I basically trip over a package when it comes. To, I come to find out that uh, it's his Christmas present that I had ordered that was uh, lost in the when there was the snowstorm and stuff. It was supposed to be delivered to my parents' house last week before Christmas so that I could get it to him on time. So Never the, showed up. This is the present you were going to give him for Christmas that was late. Yes. So it finally arrived the day you broke up with him. 
Yes, it arrived right when I got home from work. That's great. So I had, I had in the meantime written to the place to where I got this Christmas present from, saying, you know, like, oh, it never showed up. You know, like this present. Actually, it wasn't last week. It was the yeah, I guess the week. So they were really late delivery. They were really late. So this was like. Two and like two weeks later than how it was supposed to be. So you were strongly worded like, "Dear company, I demand that you send me my boyfriend's Christmas present now, so I can give it to him." Exactly. So I did that, and there's like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and I'm like, and then I had it sent to my parents' house, and now I'm back in Portland. This is all very inconvenient. Right. They're like, "Oh, we're sorry," you know, like, you know, we hope you, you'll you'll do business with us again, blah blah. So anyway, so I get that package yesterday. So then I I get home yesterday. Or I get that package on Monday. Right. I get home yesterday. There's yet another package from the same company, and I look. And they felt bad about making me work for my order, so they sent me the same shirt again. So now you have two. So now, two days in a row. That's great. When I've come home, there I've been two Christmas presents uh, for my now ex-boyfriend. And the weird thing is, it's like... And, so and it's the same shirt, and it's a ridiculous shirt. I, I bought him this... Um, he... He had this favorite shirt that he loved a long time ago, and he drunkenly sold it to somebody at a party because they really liked it, and he's regretted it ever since. So I, um, this is how good I am. So I went on the internet, scoured to find this shirt, finally found one, um, you know, paid out the ass for it, and then you know now I have two of them. And so, well, first of all, that was a nice thing for you to do. Well done. Thank you. All right. Well, I was, I was very proud of that present, but well, you know what? No, not yeah. so much. <laughs> Um, I'm just saying, uh, now uh, now he has neither you nor the shirt to keep him warm at night. But I have two of them. <laughs> <laughs> you should wear them around town. With You should find a guy. You should find Let's the... Let's just auction them off or you something. Should should just, guys. No, 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 you should find the best looking guys you possibly can and give them the shirts and then just go everywhere with them sporting the shirts. Um, I'm just so bummed, though, because I don't get the, the awesome uh, present picker out of credit. Right, because, because that is pretty great. Because it, was a, it was a fantastic present. You found it. a replica of his favorite now lost shirt. Mm-hmm. And so, but and he's, he's mentioned it a million times, and I like kind of put it in my. I'd give anything to have that shirt again. Seriously, I put it in my mental catalog. Went on the internet, like scoured the internet, found it. But the, 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 really, the great thing about it is, I mean, just a horrible way that it didn't even arrive like that morning. Because if it had arrived Monday morning, you might have given it to him before the big bust up. Uh huh. It actually arrives the day, at, you know, like the day the of the breakup. But then. But then the universe decided, no, 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 maybe she's forgotten about the breakup. Let's remind her, send another one. And then you got to, you know, last night, and there's another version of the same shirt. And by the way, I have ordered things from that company. Here's, okay, here's a little thing about, again, about you and I having weird parallel lives. Uh-huh. That are, you and I are, have these weird, you and I have this weird thing where, like, our lives are kind of mirrors of each other. Lara, uh, for Christmas two years ago, Lara bought me a shirt from that same company. Same thing. It was late arriving, so they sent her another one later. So I got two. There's a shirt that I own. I don't wear it to work because it's got profanity on it. Um, But uh, it's a shirt that I wear sometimes, but I got two of them because the company felt bad Mm -hmm. that they were late. So they sent, which is sort of pointless because it's a specialty shirt, but I guess maybe they're thinking, I guess it's the gesture. It's the, you know. Two novelty shirts. That both I, of you remind you. Both of them reminding you of a guy you broke up with. I just, I, I had to laugh when I got home yesterday. I was just like, I saw the name of the brand on the bag. I'm like, no way. Yeah. And I opened it and I just started laughing. And that's when I actually, yeah, when I called you, I'm just like, this. You is. should just cut out the middleman and take the shirts to your shrink. Here you go. Have a shirt. Wear this while I talk <laughs> it to is you. A want funny you please? shirt though. I need to. It's a, it's a shirt and it has a picture of a, um, a dog on it and then, um, and it says, no seriously, who let the effing dogs out? And it's really funny and. So I found it, and I... He is a comedian. Seriously, I know. Um, Yes, now I have two of them just 
sitting on my chair in my living room, and I don't know what to do with them. They're just kind of sitting there. But I spent, you know, a lot of American well, dollars Well, that's see, that's the thing is you don't want to get rid of that stuff. No, I know because I because I waited for so long and I spent money on it. <laughs> that's it, you know. See, if we, see now that that's actually an interesting. Uh, I'm in I, I'm in a pickle. I don't know what to do. I don't know that we really are, we probably don't have time. To... He's pretty he's pretty pissed at me because so I don't think that you know <sighs> me giving. Would he still much. take the shirts if you offered them? He probably would. He's a guy. I don't know. He he was not happy. Yeah, but I mean, but that's but it's but it's stuff. Guys love stuff. It is stuff, and he does like the shirt. I don't know. I was thinking because there isn't any ill will toward him. So I mean, I was yeah, but see, maybe. that's not how guys view it. Like that's the whole thing. Like no matter how the relationship ends, the guys sit there like stupid girl, stupid everything. So like, if you gave him the shirt, he might actually wear it now because that's the least she can do for me. She owes me stupid girl, stupid whatever. So like, he would probably still take it at this point. Uh... That's an interesting idea, but because you can't, I mean... That's just it, because we didn't end on the on the best terms. But it's just like, I don't... But you paid for it. Exactly, and I don't hate the guy, and I know that he would really like the shirt. But then again, I'm like, what? Mm. Then I'm like, should I send it to him? Or you should, just... maybe you should give it to him. Maybe you should take the higher road, but, but like mail it to him. Hold that's, on, what was, that's what I was thinking about, maybe just dropping it in the mail. Yeah, just drop it in the mail, and then like, see, then you're ending things as the bigger person. Yeah. The high road is where Sarah, where but Sarah Dillon resides. An extra shirt. But then you'll still have the other one. There you go. <laughs> what should we do with the other shirt? I don't know. Next guy. You should hang should hang it in the studio, maybe. You know? Should I bring it into the studio? And bring, it in here? bring it right next. Hang it next to the thing that says Rick is a homo. Right there. Or next to the sparkly Barack or Obama shirt. the Barack Obama victory shirt. Right. You know what? I think we should hang there it in the go. studio. You know what we can have? We can hang. We should hang emblems of all we of should, our various failures. In no, here. we should start. You know, I, I should collect things from break up wall. my failed relationship. <laughs> we need a bigger <laughs> studio. <laughs> I, I got a black and white band t-shirt I can bring in. Which one? You know the one. Can I tell you this? I won't mention I won't mention the name because I think we've stricken it from our vocabulary here. Uh, it, but there is a uh, there's a band. Like this back up. There's there's a guy that uh, that Sarah dated who was in a, a Portland it's band. It's friends with the other people in the band. Yeah. Uh, so the, so there's a band that uh, has a member that Sarah once dated, and I and I own I have one of the band's T-shirts that I found for three dollars. By the way, it's Buffalo, Buffalo Exchange. Um, I'm sure it's because somebody died. It was in the state sale. Um, but I can't wear it anymore. And the thing is, like, it's a cool shirt, but I can't wear it because, and I, I don't, out of respect for you, I wouldn't, you know, I would not do that. So I can't, like, look at the shirt I'm wearing. Hey, look at this. So I can't wear it anymore, but I don't want to get rid of it because I paid for it. I paid three dollars for that shirt. What am I gonna do? Maybe you can wear it when you get a Provo. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, so I, so, so this is okay. Now this is weird. Now you and I, I we have such a weird tangled relationship, Sarah Dillon, because you now have got a shirt you bought for your now ex-boyfriend that arrived after the breakup that you don't want to get rid of because you paid for it. I, at home, have a shirt that I paid for that I don't want to get rid of because I bought it, but I can't wear it because it's, like, from one of your ex-boyfriend's bands. There's a weird... I'm sorry know, about that. You and I've got some weird... Some weird... You've got to get many layers of weird entanglements. I uh, know. Well, it's kind of strange. Well, then what should I do with it? I don't know. Well, let's make a note to ask the people. Okay. Hold Can on. we have an insta poll about what I should do with... Shirts... Boyfriend. All right, we have time to do it now. Probably got to set up the, uh, the whatever. But anyway, hello, Richie Bristol. Sick. How are you? Lisa's sick today. Lisa Desjardins. Yeah. Uh, so, do they have someone in her stead? Yeah. Did you want to do Bob? Yes, more than anything. So, yeah. can we do that at eleven thirty and then eleven forty-five? Yeah. All right, that'd be fantastic. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Good morning. All right. By the way, this is the first day you've worn clothes that actually kind of fit you. God damn, you've lost a lot of weight. What's the new shirt? I mean, I kind of tiny. I didn't even recognize you walking down the hall. Yeah, you become a little Sweet. miniature version of yourself. I mean, because I could tell you. I mean, even wearing baggy clothes, I could tell you lost weight. Mm -hmm. But I mean, now that you're wearing clothes that are sort of, you know, not clingy, but I mean, they're, you know, the more and more your actual size. Mm -hmm. You've how much weight have you lost in how little time? Uh, forty-four pounds in three months on the eighth. 
That doesn't even seem healthy. Wait, what day is today? Today's the seventh. You lost oh, forty-four pounds in three months. That's twelve weeks. So what is forty-four divided by twelve? Is so that that's like four pounds a week? Really? I that doesn't seem healthy. Are you just cutting pieces of yourself away with a knife? <laughs> how does it? How are you losing four pounds a week uh, without no, being dead? Let's see. Not smoking, not drinking, not sitting on my couch playing Xbox. Are you actually... Let me ask you this. Is it more... Because there was an article that came out today, actually. I don't know if I printed it. There was a story that came out today where they said that now they're saying it's almost like 70% of weight loss is diet and only 30% of it is exercise. Whoa. In terms of fat loss, not weight loss. Yeah, so it's... No so are you, would you say with you it's more exercise or diet? More exercise and diet, I guess. But maybe they're just talking about moderate diet. like eggs and like powdery drinks, right? Egg whites, of course. See, that's the thing is you've really taken it to 11 because you're not just like you have not just it's not just like some guy oh, I'm going to cut out some crap for my diet like you are now eating completely healthily and yeah. you're working out is it safe to say you were working out hours a day yeah three four well done I mean I can say it's paid it's paid dividends you really have lost a lot of weight 20 more to go 20 more I don't think you have 20 more pounds to lose yeah, I do you? Where? Where you got 20 pounds right here, of loose? Grab this. I'm not going to grab your belly. <laughs> I'm not going to grab your belly. Um, spots you don't see here. Well, I... Okay, you can pinch an inch. I mean, oh, and your... All right. Breasts. Don't call them breasts. Men don't... You can't... Look, even if you've got man boobs, you can't... You have to call them man boobs. Man boobs. You can't... Pectectorals, or whatever they call them. Uh-huh. You can't... Please don't call them breasts. Aren't they pectectorals? Because then... That's a, that's, a, that's a dinosaur. Are you talking about pectorals? Oh, pectorals. Pterodactyls, maybe? Pectorals. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, uh, so, yeah, anyway, so, no, I don't think you have 20 pounds, but you got, like, maybe 10. You're, but you're really spelting up. I really got to hand it to you. So, Thank anyways, you. good for you, Richie. All right. Hard work. It is, uh, 503-733-2970, so, uh, 503-733-2970. It's going to be a fantastic day. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I didn't have a lot of sleep last night, but you know what? It doesn't matter. The, the synapses are popping for my I've, day. I've been getting too much sleep. I've just been going to bed early. I've been wiped yeah. out. So I got like 10 hours of sleep well, last night, I think. Uh, see, like I had to, do, I had to film uh, Outlook Portland this morning, and so I had to, uh, so I got up and I, um, and I'm like, you know, the thing about shaving is, hey, Bob, let me ask you this about shaving, because you all know I hate shaving. I hate it more than anything. I hate it. I hate you it. I hate me. it. Yes, I'm oh. talking about myself, though, most of the time, Richie, but I, I, just, I just despise shaving, and I know I speak for a lot of guys. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's the worst thing on earth. I mean, I guess there are worse problems to have, but it just, it's like, it's like 10 minutes out of my morning that I just, it's like, no matter how efficiently I can get dressed, here's the thing, like, sometimes I can shower at night, like, I'll shower before I go to bed, you know, kind of, you know, shampoo everything before I go to bed, whatever, and some, I will go so far as to, like, pick out what I'm going to wear the next day. Like, if I'm going to do the Outlook Portland thing or I'm going to be on TV, like, I'll pick it, like, I'll wear that shirt and whatever. You know why? Because I wake up in the morning and I'm a zombie, and I, I'm just, just, just sleepwalking through, you know, through my morning routine, and I can actually get, I can, here's the thing about me. I can get up, my feet can hit the floor, and I can be ready to leave the house in, like, less than ten minutes. I mean, get up, dressed, bam, hand through the hair, whatever, cup of coffee, ready to go. But the shaving, it just adds ten minutes on to everything. And then if you, like, nick yourself, then it's even worse. Bless you, Sarah. Or if it's like... You know, or if it's like you realize, have you ever done this? You get to shave, and then you, re you you look for the razor, and it's like you realize it's dull, or you're out of shaving lotion or something, and then you got to figure out, then you go through that whole flow chart in your head. Can I use hand soap? No. What about glycerin? Maybe I'll just break open an aloe vera plant and rub it on my face. And it's like if you have no shaving lotion, then you're, and see, if you have no shaving lotion, which is my problem this morning, then you then you, then you're afraid to shave. And I don't really know if shaving lotion actually even does anything. I mean, I would, is a shaving lotion actually even, is it a scam? It's a lube. 
I mean, but I mean, do you even really need it's it? Most, it's like yeah. moisturizing. But see, but I don't know that it's like I read a story one time that said that if you wash your clothes without detergent, I mean, all things being equal, it does just as well. Well, that's just like I've run out of shampoo before and you used to use a bar of soap and it works yeah. just as well. So I have no, sh- and anyway, I have no shaving lotion. So I, I, so I get like 15 minutes behind this morning and it was a whole thing. And have you seen that infomercial for that thing you rub on your, on your skin and it just takes your hair away? Nair? No, no, no. No, it's not Nair. Sandpaper. No, and it's not... I use Nair sometimes. Nair's awesome. No, but it see... It smells really But bad. see, I couldn't use it on my face, could I? I don't think so. Why not? I say I say angrily. Why not? Sodium hydroxide, I believe. But, I mean, if you can use it on your legs, why... Why couldn't I use it on my face? Maybe you can use it on your face. Use your skin on your face, please. Maybe we should try and experiment on the air where we Nair your face. Thanks. Oh, yeah. I want you to Nair me in the face. <laughs> All right. Well, we So, it was just a whole morning of... The whole morning of weird. I don't so. have those problems. Amazing. Do you have to shave ever? Uh, it takes me longer to pee than it does to shave. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because you were Asian, it took you longer to pee. No, because I do it while no, I no, pee. No, no, it takes me forever to, uh, to go to the bathroom. I'm, I'm Asian. No, I shave while I pee, and then I'm done. We're done. We're taking a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Everybody's, everybody's weighing in on the shirt business. Kind of funny. The consensus in the email, by the way, seems to be that rather than giving the shirt, the gift, the, the Christmas gift to your, to your now ex, that you should refund it, you know, return it, get the money, and buy yourself something nice. I believe I shall. All right, good for you. That's what I think. And plus, I have, um, do you think they know that they gave me a free shirt? But can I? Yeah, no, Cafe Press knows. Okay. I'll say it. They're Cafe Press. They're really good about stuff. But when they when they fall behind or when they when they get something wrong, they make it they make it right. That's why they gave you two shirts. So now, I don't know if you can refund it for two shirts worth of money. You might be able to only refund one, but I'm just saying, you know, mm. refund it, get yourself something nice. All right, let's welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Bob Gossett. Hello, Rick Emerson. How are you, sir? Uh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Always fun up here on Capitol Hill. Is it really always fun? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Hey, did you see Lisa's picture in the Drudge Report yesterday? Oh, no. Are, oh. Really? Are you like the one guy in the world who didn't hear about this? Maybe you're not on the email list, Bob. The, uh, well, Lisa's not telling it, I suppose. I don't know. The, the uh, uh, Yesterday's Drudge Report, for the, it's gone now, but for like 12 hours, no lie, the bulk of yesterday... Drudge's front page photo was of Roland Barres, you know, of course, going and getting turned away and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he was, you know, of course, surrounded by the whole team of reporters who were like, can you give us a comment? And on his right, you see Dana Bash. On his left, though, wearing uh, a hat that Sarah Dillon termed adorable and, like, shoving a microphone at him is, uh, is CNN's own Lisa Desjardins. That's cool. Her face was on the front of Drudge, and apparently she heard from, like, I guess you told me she heard from people she hadn't heard from in 10 years. We're like, I saw you at Drudge. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. Let's get together. So, in any event. All right, Bob. Uh, so, yeah. I don't, I don't even know where to start. There's so much news. Um, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. I'm just All right. take a moment here. Hey, sir, am I missing a page here? Am I missing the page that had Lisa? I know she's at the very top. At the very page. top? Mm, is she? Is she? I'm sorry. I apologize. Here's Bob. I'm, I'm actually just going to be really honest here, Bob. Uh, either I have lost a page or I, or I am not reading this correctly. So I, I'm assuming you're talking about the Roland, the Roland Burris thing. Yes. yes. Okay. So I'm sorry. Please I apologize for today. that now. Yeah. 
I understand. I'm just saying I've lost part of the prep sheet, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to ask you something that you were not prepped for that somebody else was supposed to talk about. But I. So what is the. So what is the deal? What is the next step with that guy after this whole weird theatrical spectacle yesterday? Well, today he met with uh, Senate Leader Harry Reid and uh, Dick Durbin, who's the other Illinois senator at this point, um, and uh, they came away with uh, seemingly a much different attitude than what happened yesterday. It's clear. Uh, that now the Senate Democratic leadership uh, is very open to the idea of Roland Burris taking the Senate seat that's been vacated by Barack Obama. Um, Harry Reid uh, did speak with reporters after this meeting for a bit and said that as long as the, uh, the signature may be coming from the Illinois Secretary of State, which was missing from the original appointment papers. And after Roland Burris goes before the uh, Illinois House Committee that's investigating impeaching Governor Rob Blagojevich tomorrow, if um, he can uh, answer sufficiently about uh, how it came to be that he was the appointee, um, then uh, then uh, Reed said he will turn it over to uh, the Senate Rules Committee, but he also wants to turn it over to the full Senate. He wants a, a full Senate vote on whether or not to admit Roland Burris. And it's hard to gauge that at this point, but it seems as though a lot of Democrats here uh, are starting to believe that this has just become too much of a distraction in terms of, um, you know, trying to deal with the big recession and deficits and things that uh, the government's facing. I would say that it does sort of make everybody involved just look like a group of squabbling children. I mean, there's just no, I mean, like... As you just noted, I mean, it's sort of the, uh, you can't, the, look, here's the thing, here's a fact, here's the thing you cannot dispute. The country's got, like, actual real problems uh, at this point. I mean, like, got, like, real stuff that needs fixing, like, nobody has a job and whatnot. So the idea that they're going to sit there and just just have, like, some sandbox fight about whether a guy gets to come and do the job that he was picked to do by the guy who is still the governor of the state, whether they like it or not, this seems like they, uh, this is why Americans sort of watch television news for about four minutes and then go, screw that, I'm going to watch according to Jim. I mean, it just, uh, you know, it just seems pointless. Um, but we hey, urge them to watch as much television news and listen to the radio as much as possible. Yeah, we absolutely do, Bob. That's exactly what we do. Day in and day out. In fact, I, uh, I tell people to use actual physical violence against anyone who might try to interview, uh, interfere with their radio or television watching. That's, That's right. actually my, my suggestion. Um, so, and An then, informed citizen is a good citizen. Exactly. Um, so, did you, so did you say tomorrow the rubber meets the road on this uh, on this Blagojevich thing, where they're going to try to decide what to, what to do with this guy? Yeah. Well, the Illinois Supreme Court uh, may either later on today or tomorrow um, take up the idea of whether or not the Illinois Secretary of State abrogated his responsibility by not signing uh, Blagojevich's appointment note. And, of course, there are some people who say, well, that's not necessary anyway, but the Senate uh, Democratic leadership, at least at this point, still believes that the Illinois Secretary of State has to sign the appointment. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we, haven't, we haven't played it all out, but within the next few days, certain things may very well be satisfied, especially if um, under uh, questioning tomorrow, the de detailed questioning, no doubt, um, that uh, Roland Burris can wipe away any concerns that he, um, you know, he was involved in, uh, you know, any wheeling and dealing as far as his uh, being appointed. Let me just make this one final observation about Rob Lagojevich. He Rob Lagojevich does look for all the world like the guy who would be in a sort of, I don't know, like a Silk Stockings type film, like uh, some, or, or we were talking a lot about CSI Miami yesterday. He, Rod Bogoyevich looks like the guy who, the jealous uh, ex-boyfriend or the jealous husband who is the prime suspect in the disappearance of, like, his hot wife. 
Uh, he looks for, you know, like he'd be, he'd be sitting in a room going, I don't know why you're talking to me instead of out there looking for the girl, you know, looking for the guy that killed Pam. Like, that's what Rob Lagojevich would be doing in a television show. Lifetime movie network. That's what I'm saying right there. And he may or may not actually be guilty, but he, like, yeah. he would be playing this sort of Scott Peterson role. All it's right. important to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> the great thing about your tone of voice, Bob, is it's all right there between the lines. It's, it's all, all right there. The inference is there for all who wish to draw it. Uh, yeah. All right. Are you going to be on the morrow, sir? Um, I don't know because uh, Lisa may be back tomorrow. We're not sure. I don't know. She might just be off, like, photocopying that drudge thing, like, a thousand times <laughs> and just giving it to everybody, as she knows. <laughs> She's lost her voice. Ah, well. Uh, well, see, now that again, I like it. That, that brings me back to that Caruso pun I was unable to make yesterday. Lost his voice. Do you watch CSI Miami, Bob? I don't. Now, my wife watches that, I, I think. All right. Well, yes. all right. well, this conversation's over then. All right, Bob, we will undoubtedly. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly glued to the news and, and radio news. I have no doubt about that. Bob, uh, we will speak to you in the, uh, in the very near future. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. Take care, Rick. Right, Bob Gossett, the Hill. You just know there's a fun-loving guy in there somewhere that just uh, just wants to come out. You know? That's all I'm trying oh, to do. Oh, he is. Let's try to help him live. Uh, let's see. We'll talk to a man, the Moyer, here in just a skosh about this is so great. I hope this is true. I mean, I'm not saying that we're seeing them with pedal falsehoods. I'm just saying I hope this story is still accurate. U.S. Senator Norm Coleman is going to is going to court to contest the findings of the state canvassing board, which handed the uh, the election to his uh, challenger, Al Franken. That's so great. You couldn't make me happier. Hello, sir. Madam, as the case may be. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? What do you got? Uh, uh, hey, okay. So I want to strongly recommend against using Nair on your face. This is Nair, the hair removal product. Yeah, exactly. A buddy of mine, he uh, he used it on his head because he shaved his head. Right, oh, he's like, okay, a, he, like a head-shaving guy, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he figured, okay, this might be easier than, you know, shaving my head every day. Puts it on his head, and literally within seconds, he starts screaming. I guess it's really painful if you use it on the head and facial area. Well, that's weird. Now, Sarah, you, now you've used it, right? Yeah, oh, like yeah. on the leg area. And so now are your legs, are they just not, like, here's the, like, if you nick yourself shaving your legs, I mean, does it hurt a lot? It hurts a lot, yeah. Well, that's why, why doesn't Nair hurt your legs then? I know it's just like a lotion. It just feels kind of warm and it smells bad. But then maybe well, you maybe you have more nerve receptors or something in your head. You know what I mean? Like well, you know, like your fingers have more nerve endings than like your elbow. So maybe you got more nerve endings on your scalp. Yeah, and the stuff does smell horrible. Mm, it's right. really bad. I, I'd strongly recommend against using it on your face. Doesn't it seem? You know, this is I can tie these two things together. Don't you agree, sir? That uh, male shaving. Uh, solutions. Don't you feel like it's sort of like male birth control? Like we ought to be way past where we are by now. I mean. Like it, you know, the, the male birth control. I mean, 2009. You know, in 2009, man has man has walked on the moon, and yet male birth control is essentially like a balloon. Here you go. Here you go. Here's well, a balloon. Actually, Have I fun. Something about the male birth control possibly actually coming out this year. See, it would be. See, and I would like to think that they that they do that because right now it's really just like it's like caveman technology still. And then again with the shaving. So like shaving, they're still basically asking you to take like a like a like a big sharpened rock essentially and just scrape it against your face until the hair is gone. It just seems like we got to be past that. I agree fully. Oh, and that that one uh, that one product you were talking about, that hair wave rubbing thing. That's okay. You know what I'm It's like a thing you put on your hand, and it's like it looks like a little uh, it looks like a like a big pink band aid on your fingers, and then you rub it on your face or wherever. Yeah. Exactly. What that is, it's like mild sandpaper almost. It's like a, a buffer for your fingernails. Same right. kind of material. Have you now? Have you seen it in use by chance? Uh, yes, I actually have. My girlfriend ordered it. She uh, she pretty much threw it away. Really? Was it was it just painful or not effective or both? 
Uh, both. Uh, they say it's pain-free, but no, it isn't. I, I, she got, she talked me into actually trying it, and uh, yeah, it hurt pretty what, bad. What part of your body did you try it on, sir? I tried it on my arm. And did it hurt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yanks the hell right out. I mean, come on now. Excellent. All right, thank you, sir. Yep, no problem. There you go. And we're always just looking for the next apple lady. That's what we're looking for. Hello, Sarah. Hello. You got that look on your face like you found something exciting. No, no, no. I was just, I, I realized we had Amanda on, so I was queuing up the pen state. Ah, excellent. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, home of the world's largest escalator, uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Amanda Moyer. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm well today. How are you? I'm dandy. Do people ever visit you like friends or something and then demand to ride all the way to the top and the bottom of the escalator and you just have to, you have to fight off like the board sigh? <laughs> Well, people do come to visit, and they do come to CNN. They want to check everything out. The, element, the escalator isn't the big, big turn-on, though, here. But. I'm the only one who finds it fascinating for some reason. <laughs> it's just me. All right, well, whatever. Um, hey, so it, it, this can't possibly be true, because my life couldn't, couldn't possibly go this well. Is it true that this, uh, what's, his, what's his guts here, uh, Senator Norm Coleman is going to court to contest the findings of this, uh, this election, this canvassing board that gave the, the, uh, that gave the Senate seat to Franken? He absolutely is that's going so to court. Great. All right, that's wonderful. When is that happening? Well, it's not exactly clear when it will happen. That's just the next phase. Uh, basically, this dispute will now take place in district court. Coleman is going to um, have to try to convince a three-judge panel, there'll be a trial, that, uh, that these votes, some of them were either not counted or some had been counted twice. That's what Coleman's lawyers are alleging, that not every valid vote was counted and that some were counted twice. And so is it, I mean, I was sort of making this statement over and over again yesterday without actually, you know, without actually seeing if it was true or not, but is it, is it anything remotely approaching true that they kind of run through these votes several times, but they kind of keep coming up with different numbers? Well, sort of. <laughs> what happened is when the first, well, the first time they did it, um, Coleman was actually ahead by 206 votes. That was right. November 4th. Right. Triggered the recount. Then what happened is they they did the recount and they were they were going through, but there were these rejected ballots, and uh, both campaigns had to to agree, and there were about 1,500 or so of them, and uh, that is part of what Coleman's campaign had, is taking issue with. There was a, a request from Coleman's campaign to consider about 650 additional rejected absentee ballots that his attorneys were claiming that should have been counted in the recount, right. but they weren't. And so this, does it seem – let me ask you this. Just from your journalistic vantage point, does the evidence at this point indicate that neither party and, in fact, no party really wants to figure out a system that works? I mean – and the reason I ask that is, like, 2000, the, the 2000 Florida debacle is now it's nearly a decade ago, nine years ago almost. And yet it, it seems like we're no closer to figuring out something beyond the, like, uh, you know, like the bad X in a box, which nobody can ever agree on. So it, it, it's almost like they have such a vested interest in being able to manipulate these results, having to be somewhat malleable, that they, they aren't even interested in sort of finding something that just works, you know? Well, it's just because... And plus, every state does their votes differently, and uh, there's different requirements. And with this, there, if there were markings on the ballots, then that, those didn't count. And and it seems like there's a there's an issue every time something happens. Like in Florida, it was something different than it is here in Minnesota. But I think a lot of critics are right with you in what you're saying. That it just seems like the process is so confusing. And why why is it so hard to decide how many people voted and how many votes? They each got, but 
it's something that seems to keep happening. But uh, actually, um, Minnesota's Secretary of State did speak out today, and he said that he does believe that this count was accurate, and uh, they're standing behind their their recount. Is, it, is there any possible, I'm just hoping against hope, is there any possible way that this could just drag on just for weeks and weeks and weeks? It absolutely could. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good. Wonderful. I mean, I mean, maybe not for the country, but, you know, for you and for me, it's certainly fantastic. <laughs> and then in the meantime, Minnesota only has one senator seated. Yeah, but I mean, really, what's happening in Minnesota that they need more than one person for? I mean, come on. You can fly over that state in like four minutes. I mean, what's the point? Uh, the, uh, I mean, you know, once they stop filming Mystery Science Theater there, I mean, that's like 80% of that uh, of that state's, uh, you know, like, you know, income every year. So, I mean, it's, I would say there's less to manage at this point. I also, by the way, just my, my final observation it would make I would pay any amount of money. It's just if at some point during this uh, during this trial in front of this three judge panel you're talking about, if somebody, whether it's uh, Norm Coleman himself or one of his one of his lawyers, I would give anything just for one of them to stand up and sort of slam a hand down on the table and say, "Damn it, we're going to put the whole system on trial." <laughs> well, okay. well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, huh? <laughs> well, I suppose. All right then. Well, on that half full. Basketball hitting the floor and not moving note. Uh, we'll just bring this to a close. Are you on tomorrow, Amanda? I am. All right. We will talk to you then. As always, have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. There you go. See you in a radio correspondent, Amanda Moyer. Well, I think we found a line of demarcation where my wit <laughs> fails to work. That's great. And this is... Uh, yes. yes, hello. Hi. Oh, hello. I'm sorry. So how, did your, how did your filming go this morning? How come you're all freaking out about the shaving? Because... Well, because I... Uh, ran it up. Uh, don't we have to take a break? <laughs> I don't know. I'm so... Because um, you seemed a little flustered, so I was wondering if something happened, because I'd like you a little more concerned than usual. I'd like to thank you so much, by the way, for having a sensitivity to spot when I'm uncomfortable and for continuing to press me on that point. No problem. That's great. That's, That's wonderful. Like, the past few days haven't been, like, oh, so gloriously comfortable for me. Can we go back to, talk to talking about stripping away my hair and your 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 uh, incorrect T-shirt orders? <laughs> I the, Well, two things. One, I got all these uh, calls coming in about Nair, and I guess they're saying... Not to use the regular Nair, because this one guy said, oh, my God, it burns like acid. So I guess maybe no. Uh, well, but now, somebody else just wrote that there's a special Nair for men. See, I, but, I, but but when you say Nair for men, is that for, like, your chest or Which your underarms? Which is designed for the male face. Really? Yeah. I would absolutely, see, I would buy that. Because, yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted for Christmas, you know, because, you know, we, we go this every year, we're, you know, large, like, what do you want for Christmas? And I would say, nothing. I don't want anything, because I probably bought it already. Like, Xbox, got it. Left for Dead, got it. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, MacBook already, you know, budgeted for it. Got it. The one thing I really did want to get uh, for Christmas this year, and I never did, was an electric shaver. But not like a cheesy one. Because in the past, you know, when I, you know, when I was like, you know, younger and you know, didn't have much money to spend, I'd get like a, a, an electric razor, because I've always hated shaving. I'd get an electric razor, it, but it would be like a kind of, you know, it'd be corny. It would be like a cheap one. And then it really wouldn't work. Um, but I want to get like the hands down. Top of the line. I'm going to get the all clad of electric shavers, just like the best one they possibly make. But A, and I'm not asking for people to start calling me give me specs on shavers. I'm just saying that's a thing that I would like. But see, here's the thing about that. Switching to an electric shaver now almost is is, is impossible for me because I don't think women do, do. Women women don't use electric shavers for their legs anymore, do they? Um, my mom used to do that. I never have. I mean, I think here's the thing that people don't realize about electric shavers. Though. A lot of guys will get a shaver. Uh, shaver, uh, and they'll they'll start to use it, and they'll go, well, this doesn't work, and then they'll quit using it. The deal is, here's here's the thing: when you switch from a blade to an electric shaver, you got to give it like three weeks before it starts working, because it has to do with how your hair. Because when you shave, you know, you unconsciously create a pattern, 
and your hair starts to just sort of grow. It starts to you know kind of grow in one direction, basically. I think that's the deal, the grain of it. In it, a new direction? In a new direction. That's exactly right, Sarah. And so you, but it's like, um, but the way you shave it, like the grain goes a certain way or whatever. Anyway, so, but you basically, it takes about three weeks for the electric shaver to start really working on your face. So you've got three weeks where it looks like you're not really shaving all that well or like you're doing it all slapdash or with a dull blade or something. So at this point, like I can't do it because not to be all about how great I am, but, you know, I get to do I'm doing the TV show. I got the, you know, every week, uh, sometimes twice a week, we film Outlook Portland, which is like we did today. And so that's why I was all... So I was all like, uh, uh, you know, all weirded out about it today because I wanted to look all presentable. And then, and so then, what did you? So who was your guest today? You're acting weird. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this, and we have a few minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. But I got all these calls to get to because uh, I don't even know. I don't even. I, oh, I, I like how I asked no, this question see, because you're dancing around awkwardly. See, but I don't even. I don't even. There's two. There's two bits of awkward. Yes. Yes. There's yes. There's that. There's two bits of awkward. Um. Okay, so let me do this. First of all, I will answer your question. Let me say, if you're on hold, I apologize. This is Sarah's fault. I'd like to be taking your calls, but Sarah is insisting on prodding me about this other business. So your calls. Oh, the people want to know anything that's making you dance around like a fool and feel uncomfortable. Your call is important to us, and we take it in the order it was received. Um, yeah. So this morning, I want to look. You know, so I did. I filmed an outlet Portland yesterday uh, with uh, actually with. Um, with uh, Jason Crump and Aaron Duran, actually, because uh, they're going to talk about and David Walker, talking about some geek stuff. Awesome. And then today, so today I filmed a second Outlook Portland because sometimes I'll do two in a week, so I can kind of get ahead. Um, and so who was your guest today? Well, here's the thing. Um, here's the thing, sirs. I'm a man, and so, and so you've got to understand. I'm a man. Okay, what? And what I think did you, you just, do? You've had kind of a mixed bag week with men, anyway, Sarah. Uh, feel like you got to get Jamie and Dawn back in here so you can all like, uh, you know, like, like shake your heads at me. Well, there's two awkward things that happened today, I think. And here's why I say I think. There's one. I'm not sure if they happened. Well, now hear me out. Um, so now, I got two things I could talk to you about. One, one is. One is just sort of a dumb guy thing that I did. I just opened my mouth and a dumb guy thing came out. And so now I feel bad about it. And as you know, uh, when I when I open my mouth and I put in my foot, I feel bad and I apologize repeatedly. Because, you know, yesterday... Just like you did to me yesterday. Yesterday, and it's not a big deal. But yesterday, I, I, I said something inadvertently snarky to Sarah yesterday, and I apologized like three times in the space of like five minutes. I know like you over-apologized. It wasn't even that big of a deal. Because I know that I can sometimes punch people with my words, Sarah, without even realizing it. <laughs> and I know that at this point, you kind of know what I mean and what I don't mean. But, I, but I, you know, I always feel bad, so I always have to be like, no, 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 seriously? Like, once, like, sorry. Would you and like then cows? after you apologize in person three times, is usually the, the phone call that follows yeah. up a few hours no, later. No, really, like, again, I just wanted to... Like, I just want to clear the air about this. Yeah, no, I, so... So I just opened my mouth this morning and a dumb guy thing came out. There's that. Uh, and then there's also this other thing I think I might have done, but I'm not sure. I don't know if I did this other thing or not. Okay, please to be saying. All right, so who was your guest? See, here's the thing about that, though, is I a almost... Woman? What do you think? No, it was a no, it was a dude. No, it was a smelly guy, and I was all uncomfortable in his presence. Here's the thing is I almost... Uh, so you're doing that thing. You're doing that thing, and you know what I mean. You're, you know no, you're going to say it anyway. But see, that's the thing. You know that when you just, like, it becomes a train with no brakes. Like, you know that as soon, like, you at this point, you know that I will inevitably spill it. And, I, you know, and here's the other thing. You know that I have almost then no choice but to, but to say who the woman was. Mm-hmm. 
because... Well, you already finished your, your work project with her, so now it can't get any more comfortable. Can't it? Um, the, the thing is, like, I almost have no choice but to say it was because like, she's going to be on TV eventually anyway, right? I yeah, mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, so which do you want to hear first? The 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 thing that I'm the kind definite of definite one. The thing that I'm dwelling about. So, know if I did it or the definite one. The definite one, and then the dwelling. The definite one isn't, I guess, relatively speaking. Maybe I'm making it worse in my head than I am. Um, so, uh, you know, um, Cheryl, the Hawaiian, Cheryl Kanakoa. Yeah. Uh, who until recently, and she was uh, regrettably one of the, uh, one of the, one of the folks, uh, let go, uh, in December, uh, whatever that, December, whatever that day was. Um, which I think was also the day John Lennon got shot. So it continues to be the best day ever. Um, but Cheryl, same day that Tim was laid off, Cheryl, uh, from upstairs was, was laid off. And she was, uh, you know, it's great, big helper on, you know, did a lot of stuff around here, really helped a lot of people out of stuff. But, Anyway, so, but she's helping me with Outlook Portland. She is sort of the, uh, I always kind of joke that, you know, like assistant to Mr. Emerson, blah, 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 Cheryl DeWine. But she, she is kind of the guest booker. So if you are, if you're ever going to be on Outlook Portland, if you ever decide to, which is the show I do Sundays on, on the CW, the Gossip Girl Network, um, if you're ever going to be in Outlook Portland, the odds are very, very high that she's the one that kind of talks to you the most. You know, that I do the actual show and the interview, but she kind of, she's much better about schedules than I am. And so she... Isn't it strange that in every facet of my life, there is, in fact, a woman who's much better at things th- than I am, like much better at schedules. So she handles the booking and the coordinating and, you know, uh, making sure that guests are prepped and know what to, where to go and when to be there. So she does mm-hmm. she does the logistic coordinating for Outlook Portland. And so she came out today to see the show being taped, which she doesn't know what to do. But we, every once in a while, she'll come out to see the show, especially now that she has more time. So a couple times a month, she'll come out, watch me, watch me do the show, and then we'll kind of compare notes about, like, who might be good, you know, to have on. So I, so I taped the day's show, which was a little interesting in and of itself. But we finished the day's show. After the show, uh, the guest and I and Cheryl are all kind of standing around the table, and we're sort of talking. The and guest? Like, was it a female guest? Yes, it was, Sarah. Thanks so much. And so we're Is after somebody the... somebody I know? I don't know. We'll find out, I suppose, when you, when you inevitably force me into talking about it. Um, the, so we're standing around afterward and I guess it's not that big. I just, I, I don't know. We're talking afterward and the guest, uh, you know, he's talking to me and, 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 and Cheryl and the guest says to me, well, maybe I could come back and we'll talk about this other thing that I'm going to be doing. And that'll be a good chance to maybe do a follow up to some of the stuff we didn't get to on today's show. And I said, Hey, that's a great idea. You know, why don't you coordinate with Cheryl on that? You know, she's probably the best person to talk to. And then I said what I thought was a compliment. Oh, God, and how many and how many stories have you heard from me to start that way on KCMD Portland? I said what I thought was a compliment. What would you think, Sarah, if, if a man said said this about you? I said, and I realize now that it's retarded on two levels. I said, Cheryl is sort of the. I hate me so much. I said Cheryl is like the Peggy to my Don. Compliment. You can't just shake your head. It's the radio. Are you kidding me? No. I thought it was a compliment. And I know that I'm not Don Draper. That's the thing. I know I'm not not trying to make myself seem like Don Draper. Nobody no man can compare himself to Don Draper. Okay, I'm calling her Peggy. See, but that's what that's what they both seized on. Not that I'm because I'm not Don. But you know, I was trying to like because Peggy is a smart, you know, driven, independent. The smartest woman in the also office. Also obsessed with Don Draper no, and do see, anything but, for him. See, that's not what I was trying to say. I was trying to say that Peggy is like the right-hand man, so to speak. You know what I mean? That she's like, 
you know, that probably second to and again, I know I'm not you Don Draper. You should have said blah, she blah, blah. was the Joan to your Don then. No, but see, but that's the thing. They, but see, both of the women are like, we don't want to be Peggy, we want to be Christina Hendricks, Joan. And I was like, ah, but Joan is like brainless. She's and, not brainless. So don't you remember in the episodes well, when she's doing like basically all of the work of like many people in the office? Okay, I guess that's not that's not fair. She's not brainless. Yeah, I guess it's not fair to say that. Joan isn't brainless, but you know what I mean. Joan is not respected by anyone. No one respects Joan. They all either they all either think she's dumb, or they secretly don't like her, or they openly loathe her, or they're catty about her. You know, in other words, Joan is, you know, if Joan just vanished tomorrow, probably nobody at the office would be upset. Um, Peggy, though, second only to Don, the indispensable link. Peggy is probably the second most impor- important person Are at we, that firm. We're going to have to sit here and argue, Don, like, Mad Men now, because every time Don fires one of his secretaries or something goes awry, she's the one who has to pick up the pieces and make sure that, you know, everything gets taken care of. Well. Joan does, and oh, I called her Peggy. But Peggy is, but again, Peggy is, I would say, if you were to, to take a panel of women who studied, you know, uh, women and women's issues and women in society, you say, look, who's the best female role model on the show? Like, in other words, what woman on this show should other women really aspire to be they'd all say peggy all of them every one of them and so my whole but but they but both uh cheryl and this female guest they look and they did exactly what you did by the way but with another uh, x chromosome in the room they looked at each other and then looked at me and they looked back at each other and then they just did that rueful like he's just an idiot and then they smiled and shook their heads and went back to their conversation and i had to be like what come on okay rick so riddle me this am i the peggy to your don now, see, but that's unfair because now, now I can't answer one way or the other because you've already shown me that oh, like the right. answer is. <laughs> but see, there's nothing wrong with being Peggy. That's my thing. Peggy is smart. She helps that place run like clockwork. She is the most competent person in the office after Don. And again, I'm not. Well, I think you understand her on a different level than a lot of people do just watching it. See, that's my thing. And again, I and I let's for the record, I'm not going to say I'm Don, but it, but for in the case of like Outlook Portland, like this is so cute. You can try to compare yourself to Don. I'm really not. But the only point I was making is, as the guy who's hosting the show, I guess you could say that in in some ways I am the sort of whatever. I'm the kind of the the focal point of it because I'm the guy in front of the camera, um, and I'm the guy who something who gets a lot of the credit that I don't deserve because there's people like you or Richie or you know, Peggy, Cheryl, um. You know, but who are like really like you know just doing huge stuff. But but it, you know, but you know how it is. Like you you've totally worked in the media where it's easy to just go like, well, it's all this person because they're like the one with the name or the you know that's on the show or whatever. But so I'm in that sense, I guess I am the Don in that I can. It's easy to sort of like for me to get a lot of the attention because I'm the guy in camera. I'm saying she though is really like what makes the thing work. Like that's like 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 they could get any uh, idiot just to sit there and go. So anyway, let's let's talk about cheese. I like cheese. My guest, do you like cheese? Whereas like like without Cheryl, like there would be no one booked on the show. Nothing. It would just be me sitting and staring blankly at the camera with nothing to say. And All right. So, so what is the second thing? And who is the female guest? It really uh, the female guest. We should get this call about hair products. Uh, our good friend the Lowe calling from Vegas. He's calling long distance, Sarah. Why do you hate the Lowe? Hi, Keelan. Yeah, why do you hate Why do you hate my phone bill, Sarah? That's what I'm saying. Hello, Sarah. How are hey, you? Hey, congratulations today? on your uh, Vegas thing. I got that in, the, uh, in my email. Oh, oh, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you guys a copy of that. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Now, I, and I saw this last night. I got an email. Is, I, I only got a chance to look at it kind of glancingly. Is this an upcoming performance or a standing gig or a past performance? What is the deal? Yeah, there's um, uh, Vegas Rocks Magazine is a, is a monthly um, 
thing that that's put out here by by a local publisher. So uh, we just got that spread. It's a centerfold spread, and uh, it's in um, the January edition. And that's uh, for a show coming up on the 24th down here at the Paradise Lounge. Excellent. And this is part of a what do you got? A downbeat, a down. I'm sorry, down tempo trip hop collective. Uh, uh, Azure, Azure Noir, as in uh, uh, blue, black. Uh, it is myspace.com slash Azure Noir, or? Yes, that's correct. Okay, but, Keelan, aren't you interested to know who Rick humiliated himself in front of this morning? See, but, 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 you I know, didn't even I, say anything there. I just made a bunch of weird sounds. I, I am, and it's awesome. So, <laughs> really, I... I it, Waiting on hold for this wasn't actually as painful as yeah, it can right. be. <laughs> well, because this list seems to accumulate himself. The name isn't really. Good. I mean, I'm not saying the name isn't going to mean anything to people. The same, I'm just digging myself in deeper. I'm saying it's not really. It's it's it's. it's, it's, it's I'm saying it's me. Days, I'm know? saying, in other words, like. In other words, it's it's all about me. It's like, you know, me I'm, what I did. I, I'm gonna let you tread that water on your own, bro. I can't help you with that. Let's one. talk about hair products. That's awesome. Well, whoever, you know what? I had a friend who used to use nair on his face. And um, actually, for for black men, there's a, a similar product called Magic Shave, which uh, is that like an oh, that's Magic Shell, the ice cream type. Uh, yeah, no, oh, you, right. you, you don't put it on your face and watch it turn hard. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's awesome, but yeah, it's just like a a, a cream, and it's kind of like you know, you you leave it on your face for like ten minutes, it warms up, then you use something with like a hard edge, like a butter knife or like a metal spatula, and it takes the hair <laughs> right off. You're making this up. You're effing with me. No, seriously. I, I used to use it for years. So and you years walk and years. in and like, like you be in the, the bathroom or something with a spatula on your face? Yeah. I, well, I, what I would do is I had like a really old one, uh -huh. and I would just leave it in the bathroom. And so you you just have this tube. Oh, I see. You coat it on your face, and you know it's not like I go in the kitchen and get my spatula. Gonna, okay. So, but then but then it, but it like breaks off at the at the at the skin line or something? Yeah, because because um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, facial hair on black men is a little bit thicker, mm -hmm. and so when we shave close to the skin. That thick hair usually grows grows back, but it, it will usually have a harder time getting back through the skin. Because you get like the razor burn or right. whatever. Right, you get yeah. those razor bumps, but we right. get them really bad because we have a, we have really thick hair that okay. that will in turn grow back under the skin. All right. So it's a, it's a pain, but you know if you're looking for something like that, I would say you head to the hood and look for, <laughs> and look for a tube of uh, Magic Shave shaving cream. It, it works like, like, and it smells a lot better than there. We no, will I'm be done. doing this on the air. And <laughs> just just a couple of quick things because you know I know you guys got. Lots of uh, humiliation to discuss. Thanks, Thanks so much. <laughs> um, just so you know, I bought two copies of Left 4 Dead because of you. Really? Now uh, why, now yeah, why one, two? One from my uh, brother on Xbox. Yeah. And uh, one for myself on PC. And I do believe that they have that Valve is running hybrid servers, which means if you're on PC playing Left 4 Dead, that you can be playing with the guys of the Xbox community. Oh, it's awesome. I actually got yeah. my second copy for PC at a discount, so I only paid about 35 bucks for it. You know, and let me just say this. Uh, people, you know, I get a, you know, I get a, a fair number of people who are like, what's your gamer tag? And I, and I kind of... Part of the reason that I that I don't is because then it, 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 it's like a thing of like then 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 I'm gonna you know gonna be in the position of like sometimes like having like either either it's like if I say yes then when I go online and if it's like uh, you know somebody like wanting to send me an invite to play or something then it's like I don't want to be a jerk and like give somebody my gamer tag and then not play. Uh, but at the same time, I know that if I that if I give out my gamer tag and then I start just accepting the invitations to play when I get online, not like it's going to be you know like billions, but a fair number. And that game takes so much of my time already. I mean, it's unholy, and I would never leave the house again. I know. I had to actually force myself to actually go to sleep last night because I was not going to do it. That's the thing. So it's like I almost can't play 
Left for Dead Online with friends because it's like I'd feel bad about leaving friends in the lurch. Like suddenly, you know, I have exited the game. With if it's just strangers and it's like two in the morning, it's like f this, and I can pull the ripcord and bail. They so. they, they know what they're doing. They made that game so that you can't quit. Oh, it is <laughs> because you feel like it. I'm leaving my friends to yeah, die. They're all, they're all gonna die, and you're oh, to blame. Oh. And you go on living. Um, have you um uh, last two things and both real quick. Um, have you heard of a movie called Zombie Diaries? No, wait. That's not the that's not the 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 George Romero thing. That's Diary of the Dead. No, I don't know what Zombie Diaries. Zombie is. Diaries. I, I I just picked this up over the weekend. It's a it's a movie done Cloverfield style about zombies. And is it like like from the survivor's point of view in the apocalypse, or uh, more or less? You know, from people with um, it, it's it's a couple of mixed storylines, but you can kind of tell towards the end where the camera has has been and right. who's been involved with the camera. Okay, Zombie Diaries. Zombie so zombie. Um, I will actually be sending you that because I just picked it up, so oh, I, I'll make sure you get that. And uh, just so you guys know, I heard you guys talking last week about when uh, with with Tim not being there. It, am I correct in that phrase? Is on the beach? Yes, that is a. I don't know if they use that in other industries, but in radio, when someone is between gigs, usually because he's been laid off or fired, they'll say, like you'll read a trade magazine, and it will say, Bob St. Bob, uh, you know, is currently on the beach. He can be reached at whatever, and if that means he's like, he doesn't have a gig. He's, he's wait, sitting around the house waiting for somebody to hire him. Uh, okay, sweet, sweet. Okay, because that's my last thing is that. Uh, uh, I've been I've been ridiculously busy, but I've got a package coming for all of you with with some goodies from my uh, recent trip to Mexico, and uh, I'll have something uh, special for Tim in there as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. I'll make sure he gets it. All right. I'll catch you guys soon. Thank you. Sir. Bye. All right. There you go. We have to break. No. Are we bringing Tom in. What are we doing? Um. Why don't we finish up with the story, then we'll take a break because it's kind of at an awkward time, so we can't really break. Yes, it, it is, Sarah. It's a very awkward time. One. So. So you called Cheryl. Here's the thing, though. I who almost... works her ass off for you. Yes. You called her Peggy. Because Peggy's a hard worker. What was the response? I that they looked in. There was nothing beyond what I said. It's just that I said she is sort of the share. I said Cheryl is sort of the Peggy to my Don, which I realize now makes me look like a retard on like five levels. Because I'm no Don Draper. So I mean, you know, I am. I'm no Don Knox. What man is? That's I know. And so they both looked at each other. And it wasn't even that they said anything, and they didn't even like look angry. They did that thing, where it's the two women looking, two women and a man in a room, the two women looking at each other, and then I know how you, I know how you people operate. They smiled at that secret sister smile between women, that where it's all in the facial expression, and the whole thing is like, oh man, they're You're stupid. They're so dumb, you know, kind of adorable, like a one-legged puppy. That's the thing, right? Not, you know, where they're thinking. Oh, they're so cute. Not like Robert Redford cute, but like Mr. Potato Head cute. That's what they're told. And so they they smiled at each other, looked at me, and then shook their heads and went back to their own conversation with me just sitting there going, but I'm at it as... I'm sorry. Hello? Oh, God. So that was great. So what was the other part that you're not sure about? Well, the other thing... See, but it's like the other thing I almost don't even want to mention because it may not have happened. I may, oh. I may be hallucinating. Well, maybe the, the girl isn't listening. Mm-hmm. Come on, Don. How'd that, how'd that what, work? what happened there, <laughs> Mr. Draper? How'd that work out for you on Monday? Maybe they're not listening. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess because of that, if nothing else. So uh, so there was this woman who's out with Portland this morning. What does she do? <laughs> I'm thinking about stabbing you in the eye with this pen. Um, all right. Do you, um, should I say her name or not? Yes. It was Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. <gasps> okay. I know her. Mm-hmm. 
Um, uh, my buddy Delane was actually used to be pretty good friends with her. Yeah. Uh, I've only so, met her a couple times, but she's nice. She is very nice. What did you do to her? I did. <laughs> you sound like David Caruso. You tell me what you did to her right now, you sick bastard. I didn't do what She's you, a cute girl, too. What did you do? I uh, I didn't do anything. Did I you did, make us look like idiots? I didn't know. No, well, not us. I didn't know. I didn't do anything, and it may not have happened. I may have uh, imagined this. But, so, uh, so we're having this. The show went really well. So Kelly Clark was on uh, Outlook Portland. And this won't be airing for a few weeks, so, so I get that to look forward to. Uh, we were talking about, um, she actually written this piece about how the recession and the economy are affecting pet owners, specifically dog owners. Did you read that piece, actually? I think it was last week. No, no. And it was about, you know, it was kind of sad but sweet. And it was about, like, with, with people having, you know, getting laid off or less money, how are dog owners sort of coping with the fact that, like, you know, like, I know somebody, I won't say who, but I know somebody that went to the vet the other day, found out the dog has something not huge, but... Something that needs to be taken care of, and it's like, you know, it's like fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, uh, you know, it's hard times. I mean, if you got a, even if you got a job, it's like, you know, get, can I spend fifteen hundred dollars on this kind of not crucial thing for my dog? And it's, a, you know, it's, a, I mean, I'm, you know, it's a big thing. So she wrote a whole article about about that, and so we were talking about Portland being, I think, the second most friendly dog friendly city in America after like Boulder, Colorado, or something. Um, anyway, so she was on talking about that, uh, but but at, at one point. And this is, see, and I'm just dwelling on it now, which is this, like, I'm just going yeah, back. dwelling on it, so this will help. Going over and over and over it in my head. So let's figure out whether or not there's you really two things. There's two things that happened. At one point, and this is not on camera, this is not going to be aired. At one point, uh, dur- during, I think, a commercial break, I think this may just have been, uh, because uh, usually there's three people on the show. It's usually me and two guests, and this today it was just me, me and her, mm-hmm. uh, because the other guests weren't able to be there. And so, at one point, we go to a break. And we're resetting for the next segment of, of the TV show. And one of the um, one of the camera people uh, actually said, she kind of leaned, she goes, um, okay, uh, you guys are getting a little too close for comfort. Can I get you to sort of um, just move away from each other a little bit? And which I thought was just sort of like we were having a great conversation. Um, so you're like kind of side saddling up to her, like side saddling. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, so I didn't see that's you saying that. I didn't do that. But here's what you I think I... You kept scooting your chairs closer and closer See, together. now listen. I want to put that on time lapse. Making it into something it's not. Um, but I do believe... Uh, I think it... This is so awful. I think at one point... And the reason I'm reluctant to say it out loud, although I will, which you knew when you brought it up, you damn woman. The reason I'm reluctant to say it out loud is I'm not sure if it was during a, a segment that was being filmed or whether it was, like, during a break. But I think... That it, I think that at one point, I think that at one point while we were like, you know, because she's a dog owner, I'm a dog owner, and so we're talking about the recession and dogs and what is your dog doing, whatever. So as part of this whole conversation, and I think at one point while we were discussing uh, dogs or something, I think that I might have actually, um, I think that I might have actually sort of like leaned over and kind of put my hand on her arm while I was telling her story. You touched her, Rick? Yeah, I think. Ooh. But I don't really remember. But it wasn't like a girl, like I left my hand there. Oh, but that's it's an obvious touch. But you know, like a whole like no, no, no. I, but you know that thing where you're just like, like you, like you don't even touch me. Like you, well, but you're way over there. Okay. Uh, but but uh, but you know how it is, like when you're telling, like I think girls. Well, especially when you get excited about talking about your dog. Totally, and I think it's a girl thing typically. Like girlfriends will do this, where they'll be talking and they'll be like, well, anyway, so I went out and said, oh no, 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 let me tell you about Ted. No, and girls it's like, also do that to boys that they like. Really? And it's like you lean forward and you put the hand on the arm, and it's like, no, 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 wait a minute, no, I really got to tell you something. Look, and touching is a is a telltale sign. A telltale sign of what, Sarah? I don't know. 
you're talking about, Rick. That's what I'm saying. So, but here's the thing. I don't know if I did that or if I'm somehow hallucinating that in my head. And even if I did it. So even if, so even if you didn't do it, you've been thinking about I don't, the fact but see, that you I think, might have done but it? But see, I think I did. But here's the thing. I don't know whether I did that during a filmed segment or during like a commercial break. When we were just, you know, because like, you know, you've been, you've been in TV. Were you filming? And then even though the show isn't live, you stop and then you reset for the next segment and mm-hmm. they'll insert the commercial later. And, you know, during well, during the reset, while they're getting ready, the camera's ready for the next shot, you're kind of talking. So anyway, in this next segment, we'll blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to call Cheryl. So not Peggy, only were you told to be scoot awkward. away from her because you guys were scooting closer together. I went, uh, uh, she didn't her. say it to me. She said it to me. The camera went to the both of us. The floor director was like, you, can I get you? You're a little too close for comfort, is how she put it. Um... So I can't, I can't remember if it was like during a filmed segment or during a, a kind of reset where no, the cameras weren't rolling, hopefully. But I'm pretty sure that at one point I kind of uh, was trying to make a point and I uh, kind of put my hand on her arm, which is... Um, well, at least it wasn't her leg. Why would it have ever been her leg? Why would it have been are you her trying arm? To be, because her arm's right there. Who are you? Like, why are you touching people? I don't so know. Weird. It's just, it was, I don't say, but it was, I think we were talking about dogs and so it, you know, it's a... Not an intimate discussion. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a sort of, uh, you know, it's a discussion that people have an emotional emotional investment in. I wish I was dead. How's your, how's your day going? This is quite a week we're having here. That's great. Oh, All we need is for, uh, you know, Richie did, like, you know, I don't know, be have his head invaded by aphids or something. Yeah, we need to figure out something that's going on with Richie so that Jesus. we don't feel like the only... And so then, but people. see, but then, okay, okay, I might as well. Just, so then, anyway, so I think that happened kind of early on in the taping. And then, did you start to? And then, in my head, it? and then the whole rest of the show, I'm going, well, maybe I just imagined that. Maybe she touched my arm. No, I don't think that was the case. Maybe I was brushing something off the table, and I accidentally brushed like her wrist, and in my head somehow it's become touching her. Why in my head would it become touching her arm? Do I sound crazy right now? I think I do. Are we supposed to be talking? Oh God, she's saying something right now. What was she just talking about? I don't know. Let's go to break. You know, and so I'm like in my whole head, like I've got this weird, you know, like half of me is like triaging the situation and the other half is like trying to go, no, that's really great. Uh, Blue Paw of Oregon. Great. Dot org. That's wonderful. Let's take a break. We'll back on out with Portland. And I just, you, and then I, and then I called Cheryl Peggy at the end. And then I already was all neurotic about whether or not I was reaching over and like grabbing Kelly uh, Clark from Willamette Week during the, uh, who I'm sure isn't listening to this at all right now and like turning She's off the radio. She's real job over there. Yeah, I suppose. It's a good thing we're not. It's a good thing we're not on the internet. Hmm. Uh, I wish. I wish really someone would come in. Well, maybe we have to have her on to see if you did in fact. That's touch right. Her. Why don't we have her sit right here? That'd be nice. And then maybe you can reenact the touching. Maybe you can scoot your chairs a little. Closer like in together. the therapist's office. What? Exactly. And so forth. I don't know what we're doing right here. Let's take a break. Hey, Richie. When we come back, Tom Parker's going to join us in the studio. He's going to sit way over there, so I can't accidentally like grab his thighs. You know. Kind of creepy. I'm not creepy. I hate you so much. All right, back after this, it's the uh, Rickerson Avocate of Whimsy. Don't go anywhere. Feel better, huh? That's great. Wonderful. I'm so I bet it didn't help that. Never mind. I don't want to say it. Well, come on. I know you're tight right now, and I know what Kelly Clark looks like, and I bet she's your special friend potential. See, that's you who said that right now. That statement came from you. I'm just saying. I'm sorry. That was the first thing I thought, and then I kept it in my head. That you said you have a type. 
That is true. Well, hi. Look over there. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thanks, by the way, for making it even more awkward. So if like, she ever comes back on the show or... We God, should have her on. God help. But great. Let's do that now, especially after you said on the air that she's just my type. That's wonderful. All right. And... Okay. <laughs> Sarah was the kid who sat by the sidewalk with a little magnifying glass, beaming it on in bugs. I yeah. absolutely I've listened was not. To you sizzle this man. That's what Sarah does. Have you heard him tormenting me all week about right. yeah. my yeah. most recent broken relationship? Yes, yeah, that's true. All right, maybe I should buy Kelly a shirt. Uh, <laughs> I have a spare one. <laughs> Thanks so much. It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Coming up uh, later on today, seeing a radio correspondent. Steve Kastenbaum, plus more shame. Uh, let's see, we got the Geek Watch coming up, Corpse Watch, uh, all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's welcome once again to the uh, microphone here before we begin the news, Tom Parker. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm just fine, Mr. Emerson. And you? I am, uh, well, it's a day. You know, you're what still, are you you're still sweating from the last hour in interrogation by Miss X. Still here. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> We've learned that, here's the thing is like, and you, you, you know this, I mean, I know that you've worked in, in very formatic types of radio, but, mm-hmm. But especially, I think, with a show like this one, what Sarah and I learned uh, a long time ago is just that, I mean, it is, as I said, it's like a, it's like a train without brakes. Like, at a certain point, you just realize that some something is just going to come out. It's just going to get talked and about. And if you mention it, like, you can't just say, oh, well, this thing happened, but I can't say it. Like, the, right. just by dint of you men- mentioning it, it's going to happen. It's an all or nothing thing. Exactly. Like, if, I, like like if could... it's mentioned at all, then it's going to be completely well, resolved. Well, be pursued right. relentlessly. That's, that's the thing. Relentlessly. And it's like, no yeah, mercy. no, it really, and it's like the crack, it is really like the crack in the dam. It's like once you, you know, like, right. like once you, you know, if you just don't ever, ever bring it up, then you're probably, you know, whatever, okay. But if, yeah, if you just mentioned like, well, it's an awful thing happened today, but I don't really want to talk about it. And it's like at that point, then it's just, then it's not if, it's just a matter of when. So why did you fight it for a half hour? I mean, I knew she was not going to let you off the hook. I knew for a half hour you were, you, I can't say your name. I can't say what happened. Because, because we always, because that's the way we always And do then it. it was fairly innocuous. I mean, if you the... touched her wrist or sat too close to her. What do you mean? What if you touched her wrist? What do you mean? Well, you touched her arm. You didn't touch her. Well, I don't really remember where. What do you mean? Why? What if it was? Maybe it was her leg. Maybe you were caressing her thigh and you didn't know. <laughs> and what's your hand doing on the inside of my thigh, Mr. Emerson, by the way? I don't know if you can't remember if it's arm or wrist. I mean, maybe you were petting her hair. <laughs> Kelly Clark, can I? you got great hair. <laughs> Tell me about the bunnies, Kelly Clark. <sighs> Jesus. What do you mean if it was her wrist, though? Like, cause I don't really remember now. But see, now in my head, see, damn you! Here's the thing. This is like why, a why no, is no, this a just, problem? No, People I, touch. You just, they just stop. One moment, Tom Parker. Damn you! You know what this is like? This is like that Ray Bradbury story where a guy steps on a butterfly and then he comes back and like everything is being run by giant mosquitoes or whatever. <laughs> see, now that you said like, well, Rick, if you touched her wrist, that would really be a problem. See, now in my head, I can see the memory sort of fuzzing up on me a little bit, and now I can't quite tell. Well, did you take her hand? No, I didn't take it. Yes, I laced her fingers gently through mine, you jerks. Yes, yes. And then did you we... give her a tender shoulder rub? <laughs> and then we ran through a field of daisies and Slowly. danced, danced, Slowly. danced. Sons of bitches. It's such a... But it really is... I'm so glad we had you back, Tom. It's such an innocuous thing. How can... Unless your wife is horrendously jealous. No, it's but it's like... It's just that, like now, it was just like that it became a thing, like a... Like a Piling up, piling up, piling up, and I, you know, so much so that it threw you off for the entire. You could have lanced the wound in one quick second. I know. Well, the thing about it is, first of all, I mean, you know, God, God love my wife has learned to deal with just all all kinds of just just weirdness, uh, you know, out of this. Um, But the 
you know, and she, you know, we've we've moved through all. I mean, you, I mean, you've worked the bra, you know that. I mean, we're, we've we've moved through all the stages of like, honey, you shouldn't listen. Just to take my advice. Don't listen. Don't listen. Don't listen. Every really, it's gonna work. And then, then it's like moved to listening, but you know, don't take it. You know, whatever. Just the show. Then we've moved through. And anybody who's in, I think, any kind of broadcasting, especially a show like this, and you're in a relationship, you go through all these like the stages of grief. Um. And if you're in a relationship long enough, you go through all of these stages. First stage is don't listen. You know, you tell the person you're dating, you know, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You tell whoever it is you're with, you know, you really shouldn't listen. Just take my advice. I mean, I know you're going to fight, you know, you're going to fight it. The urge is going to be to tune in. Probably going to be best if you just don't listen to the show. That'd be great. Uh, then you'll move to, um, okay, look, here's the, if you really feel like you have to listen to the show, just don't tell me you listen. Just let me think you don't listen. I don't want to have to think that you're out there, like, monitoring it. You know, and it takes a long time to get to that phase where, like, if you're with somebody and you, you figure they're probably listening to get to the point where you can, like, block it out. I mean, the first few years that you're doing anything, any kind of a show like this, you will be obsessed over the fact that every like every time you say something, you'll run into the filter of, oh, God, they're out there listening right now. Oh, yeah. They're that's, monitoring. That's a big one. I mean, and you've got imagine what it does to your neighbors, your parents, your. Yeah. Because, see, but that, yeah, that's the thing is then it spreads. Then you're like, oh, my God, my first grade teacher's listening to this. What if she thinks that? And it's like everybody, you know. And so the final stage you got to get through. Once you, like they listen, or you know they listen, and they're cool with it, and they you know they know whatever they know it's the show. Uh, I guess the final resolution is when they know that everything is just just for the show. It's all you know. When it, by which, and I should clarify what I mean by that. I guess to separate us from some other shows. That by which I mean I am saying it's like fabricated or made up, but it's like. But the, I guess what I'm saying is they understand. You get to a point in the relationship where they understand it comes with the territory. Sure. I guess that's what I'm trying to Your say. Your relationship with me is material. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's okay. That's it. That's exactly it. It it's isn't. Not, it isn't like let's say a certain afternoon host on a certain station, really close to this one, who said he'd say anything in the world for ratings. Yes. Okay, that's very exactly. different than saying an observational. I mean, it's like there is, you know, you like there are shows, you know, where it's like a character or a bit or a persona. I mean, Phil Henry being the most obvious example of that. Um, but, but yeah, you said where they understand that it comes with it comes with a gig that everything that happens is fodder. The relationship is material, is show prep, is whatever. That's the ultimate resolution. The stage right before that one, though, the stage right before the person you're with accepting the fact that anything that happens might get talked about on the air. The final pre-stage and the one that's the hardest to get to, and Sarah can attest to this as well, is convincing the person you are with. Not to listen to what their friends told them mm -hmm. about what happened on the show. Mm -hmm. The friends' version of what happened on the show is all like as awkward as it might be. You know, sometimes like oh I don't know ever this week. As awkward as that is, by the time their friends who always secretly hate you uh, get done telling them what was on the show, it's like I'm in here getting lap dances from a Swedish bikini team. I mean that's the thing. Like by the time oh, that, it, that's the reason I came in today. Well, <laughs> I thought that was the deal. No, what you've really got is you've got an Asian man in pumps and a rock star hat. I know. So I have fun it's, with that. you know the day was William Goldman wrote in Princess Bride, get used to disappointment. <laughs> exactly. Life is pain. Anyone who says different is selling something. All right. Well, we're glad to have you back, Tom Parker. I had your dental visit go this morning. Oh, I know you were, this is uh, lovely. Uh, just, uh, actually, what happened, this is really Preventative? Mm, no, it, it was actually somewhere between cosmetic and, uh, and job saving. I had, uh, years ago, you know, your parents were always telling you, don't bite that thing. Don't chew, don't, you know, don't rip that. Were your parents telling you don't bite that thing? Don't bite that thing. What were you doing as so a child? Some people that you say don't bite that thing now that you think what about you, it. But 
Hmm? What do you do? What were you doing that you oh, had you to know, be... tearing open packages oh, with your teeth right, or anything? Right, okay. It's tough yeah. to get open with your hands. Yeah. And you reach in with your teeth. Or you like chew on pencils exactly. or whatever. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Right. Well, I made the mistake one day at a, a children's soccer match of trying to dislodge a uh, a little needle that was inflating a. Oh, a I didn't like to the... think about that. I dude. made a little chip in my incisor. Oh, and... chipping a tooth to me yeah. is one of the worst <clears> things. Does it hurt? No, not at all. Really? The trouble is it. It becomes a whistle when it is not there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wish you. Oh, I just say, honey. Tasting like the powder, like oh, yeah. the powdery teeth bits in your mouth. Powdery teeth bits in your mouth. Don't oh, ever yeah. say that. Oh yeah. And you're yeah, with. Why did you get that fixed? You should have come in and whistled the news today. I didn't know. You, you called oh, me as true. I was going into the chair. No. I mean, that's true. <laughs> that is true. We've and had... there was my there was my choice. I mean, you talk about a, a choice. Go on the Rick Rick Emerson show wait. or go get. Dental work done. We had some. Wait, we, I'll do both. We had some schedule. We had some schedule flip flopping. We did this week, and so yeah. See if I'd known that I would have. I would have made sure that all of that was flip flopped way ahead of time. The only right, way well, it could have been better is if I followed your directive to go ahead and have the Novocaine. Well, Tim, look, it <laughs> never stopped. It never stopped him. Because then I could have been doing my Dick Clark impersonation. You know what? T- See, there you go. I heard you guys about. getting into that. Way to bust out of the oldies mode. Uh, no, Tim would Tim would come in like you know probably once a month. You know, and he would just he would be all 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 just gummed up. Just couldn't talk at all. So, well, I'm glad you made it in, sir. Well, it's great to be here for uh, Tim Riley, who was due back any day. Here's my question. I mean, you know, if you've got this parade of, of alleged professionals coming in here yes, doing sir. this for free, why don't you have Tim come in and do it for free? People have actually asked. They've said, now look, if you can have, you know. <laughs> And by the way, this is a little, uh, little. you know, it's like, uh, you know, they, they, there was some radio thing, like some memo that went out a while back where they no longer say liberal. You know, they say progressive. Yeah. You know, we're Portland's progressive. So, like, I guess they figured out that if you say liberal, people don't want to admit to listening to it. It's like, uh, I read something. What else don't they say? Well, you know, it's like blah, blah, blah fired, fired, laid off, downsizing, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a whole thing where that like, or, or like uh, shell shock becomes post-traumatic stress disorder. We're not, we don't say free. We're saying for the love of the game, Tom. Yeah. Wow. Tom Parker's you're doing it for the love of the game. Well, which I, is I ran out of that yeah. about five minutes ago. <laughs> Can I go home now? No. Uh, so, but, you, but people have said, well, look, if you've got sort of laid off Portland media types, maybe you should, you know, finish out a week or a month or somebody suggested the last show of the year, have Tim Riley do it. Which, here's the thing. It's not like that's a bad idea as such. It certainly isn't. And it's not like we probably could do God, that. I would but, love to see him, too. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. How do I put this? The thing about that is it. If we have Tim come back, uh, how long before they ask you to do the show for free? Well, well, there's, <laughs> there's that. Also, uh, it opens, I think, uh, an awkward door about uh, perhaps other other people. Okay. And I, that's all I did. I will not say anything else no, beyond no, that. No. But I uh, then it becomes a whole lot of what about me? And then you have to go, ooh, no, 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 not you, no. I was, I was, you will be pleased to know that I was at a gathering yesterday where your name was mentioned in uh, a certain... Uh, really? Was it was it with the words restraining and order next to each other? Well, uh, surprisingly not. Was she brunette about this tall? No, these were men talking for a change. All right. Uh, and none of whom you touched on the wrist arm or some other place where you couldn't recall where you'd blocked <laughs> it. Blocked it is the word we're looking for, right? But you were at a uh, radio dude lunch yesterday. Anyway, they were talking about you know going on your program as the guest media person, yes. and it became clear that the, the line was you could be, for example, this person has retired yes. officially. Took, yes. You know, took the took the check and was done. Uh, so you know, you don't count. You, yeah, no, you got to have the rug pulled out from under you, my friend. Involuntarily. This is just part of the humiliation uh, parade. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is this like the last stop on the shame train? But this is what's going to happen at the GM's offices in radio stations all over Portland. Well, 
I've got good news and bad news. We should. Oh, the good dude. news is you'll be available for Rick Emerson's show tomorrow. We should totally send a press release or like to other radio stations. Like, look, we know you're going to be firing radio, more people. Newspaper, television. We should totally drop off a stack of those with the GMs. Like all the hey, uh, Intercom GM. Here's a big stack of cards. Now look, as you're when you're firing them, give them our. Tell them that we have a. We'll hold a slot for them. That's like a coin where uh, Schmidtke was telling us that they had a parade of limousines out front. Or not limousines, but taxi cabs. It was like, severance, taxi, severance, taxi. We should totally drop those off at all the other media outlets. <laughs> Stop by the, you know, the Tribune, if it's still there later today, and say, hey, uh, by the way, would you uh, would you like to give these out to the next round of people you're going to be give firing? Them, they could print them. Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 that's all being used for advertising, all that space. Oh, yeah. All, uh, all those pages are being filled with huge ads from paying clients. Huh? It's, it, it, it's all going to be better in 2009. Uh-huh. It'll all be better in the new building. That's why we've been able to yammer on endlessly without commercial interruption. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did, are we, did we, we took a break, though, right? We went. Uh-huh. We broke early to get away from the awkward. No, we actually broke late because we never took the 50 break. To wallow in the awkward. Yes. Let's take a call, shall we? And then we'll begin the actual news. Just delaying the news. Jesus. Hi. Uh, uh, we'll do the news right after this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey Rick, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you how to do your Outlook Portland show. I, you do a great job, uh-huh. but I think maybe it would be a good idea to blur, like, pixel out your right arm, so you let the viewer's imagination take over of what you're doing. I don't understand what we're. You mean with like today's show specifically? <laughs> Any given show would raise the interest level. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do like a Buster Blues thing. <laughs> I thought the rubber hand. Yeah. yeah. Or, or a black bar. So it'd be sort of like a where's arm. Rick's hand in relation to Kelly Clark. That's exactly. Great. Let me use my imagination. Or you just have to extrapolate from the expression on her face at any given moment. Right? Exactly. There you go. You have to judge it all. It's all there in the eyes, Tom. All right. Thank you for the suggestion, sir. Good luck, Rick. All right. Thanks so much. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, shall we uh, go to the news desk with? And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. You want the real news? Okay, fine. Uh, It's the federal budget deficit, brace yourself, will nearly triple to an unprecedented $1.2 trillion for the 2009 budget year, according to grim new congressional budget office figures. $1.2 trillion. Now, this is the federal what? This is the federal budget deficit. Okay, now... This is not the national debt. See, okay, wh- okay. This is this is spending we ain't got. What's the difference between the two? The deficit One becomes a cumulative number. So is the deficit just the amount we have budgeted to spend this year? Yes. Greater than the amount of money in the bank, or that will be coming in. All right. So in other words, if I'm going to make, you know, hundred dollars this year, but I'm going to spend hundred and five, the deficit, the budget deficit is five dollars. That's correct. What is the national debt? Is that money we owe other countries? That's all the dough. That's all the dough, and we owe a lot of it to other countries. Does every year, does the deficit from each year then go in to become part of the debt? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, last year's deficit that everybody was complaining about? Yeah. $455 billion. Isn't it true Less than half, we, almost a third. Isn't it true that, though, I mean, look, I, I know that everything is Bill Clinton's fault, but isn't it true that under Clinton we were balancing the budget, like we were spending what we were taking in and, you know, vice versa? Well, allegedly. I mean, that was like, I mean, it seemed to me that this it was this damn fool war that sort of screwed everything up well, for the us, war right? Did. I mean, you start paying for everything that comes along. You've got a war that's costing you billions of dollars, and you've got, uh, you know, on top of this, I mean, we're... You know we've borrowed a lot of money that we don't have. For yes. example, Social Security is the government's chain letter, right? Right, right. We, we know that. And we've been borrowing money from our own Social Security fund, and then we sell all these things. A lot of the big holders of T-bills and those things are poor saps in other countries, so specifically right. Saudis and Chinese. I sort of get the uh, I get the idea that the United States government sometimes is like this, is like this train, and... 
the train is on a track that's like, you know, the train needs to go, let's yeah. say, a mile. And I get the feeling that in order to pay for the track right in front of us, we're selling the track <laughs> it's like half, well, yeah, or yeah. half a mile down the road. Oh, yeah. In other words, okay, look, we have enough track for like now, but I mean, really, like, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do when we get over there where there's just sand. Here it is in a nutshell. We are Bernie Madoff. With a printing press. That's the difference. I mean, that's it, right? Because if we ever need more money, we can... Well, let's just print more. What's the worst that can happen? Which is then the dollar equals nothing. And Which which I've got to say, I saw a scurrilous thing. Speaking of the, the budget, you know, all this bailout stuff. Yeah. There was a story for Joe Francis, the guy who does uh, Girls Gone Wild. Yeah. And Larry Flint, who does uh, uh, Penthouse, are talking about going for a bailout. They want $5 billion because free online porn has wiped them out. Dude, I saw a big thing. Uh, I saw an interview the other day in the uh, L.A. Times with the guy that runs Vivid Video. And Vivid Video is the biggest, I think, the biggest porn company in the world. And they do all the high-end, you know, like Jenna James and all the glitzy, glossy stuff. And you drive down... Uh, Sunset Boulevard, and you see these big, vivid video uh, billboards everywhere. And, they, you know, they're, they're like the biggest name in that. And the guy was just like, he was, no pun intended, he's like, we're taking it in the shorts. He's like, we're just, <laughs> and he was talking about, and it was so great when you read the article that they kept trying to, like, sort of step around uh, some of the more uh, delicate reasons. And he kept saying, he kept coming back to this issue of free online porn kind of taking, you know, eating their lunch. And he said, um, he kept saying, well, uh, what you sometimes find is a consumer who really only needs the product for a minute or two. <laughs> and you, which is both, and that's kind of when you just look at women and you go, ah, I'm so sorry for you. That's sad. But, you know, so, I mean, that's, it, it really is. That's, I mean, that's, that is speaking the truth of the porn industry, though. I mean, there's, there are a few things uh, in life less boring than old porn. I, well, and just, I mean, and that is, you know, this is the sort of Tom Parker observation one didn't get to hear on Kissing between, like, no. playings of, like, Sugar Shack and Rubber Ball. Um, the, um, bouncy, bouncy. Oh, I hate that song so much. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. Um, but also like, you know, when the porn industry starts to hurt, starts to you know, be in trouble, that's like when, you know, I mean, that's a canary in the coal mine, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, I speaking again, of well, well, in Portland, we did this thing where we talk, we're talking to strippers and bartenders about recession proof industries. Not so. When people, you got to figure people are always, you know, people are always going to buy, you know, sex. And, but when that starts to hurt, man, that's like, you know, we're really in, in a bad way here. Well, it's disruptive technology, too, Rick, because you think about, I mean, this is the same problem that the print media is getting into or or uh, broadcast television or broadcast news, that you have, for example, this device in front of me, if it weren't so painfully slow that it's so quick <laughs> to bring up uh, Internet uh, images and stuff like that. The average person, I dare say, that is going on a Pornhound tour is, as you said, it's a... Did you say uh, a porn hound tour? Yeah. That it, it's so like a thing I sign up for? Yeah, I think. Uh, or uh, a porn hound tour. Because the average person is going just, online. You're talking about somebody isn't checking into fantasy home video for three or four hours. Right. You know, they're, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, that's why you'll see, but, but, all, but actually... It's should, all very sad, but, I mean, it, to think in terms of the human condition that we can go... Okay, well, I really need this for about six-minute workout, and I'll be back. And so they, It's like six-minute abs, but lower. Yeah, exactly. Same concept, uh, and you have a good grasp of that, by the way. But here is the deal. There are not <clears throat> so, so instead of having to go to your neighborhood porn shop and buy some magazine or something, these people are able to do this in the so-called privacy of their own homes or the privacy of their boss's high-speed Internet. And why go risk everything to be seen? Well, and so we'll say this, actually. We'll, we'll say that, um, you know, we'll say, by the way, that the, the first one, Richie's, Richie's noting um, that one of our many fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video, one of the things that they, you know, and these businesses have I really... I did not use their name. No, 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 I'm just saying, but it, it really but it really is true. I'm actually, this is a, a real point that I was going to make regardless. It is true that, I mean, all of us are, you have Taboo in this case, but all of them, the difference, I think, between 
you get like a guy like Vivid Video where his answer is, I'm just going to sue everybody, which is not going to work. I mean, we've learned that the suing people for sharing your stuff is just not going to, that's not going to have the desired result. But they, though, have, the great thing about those guys, and, you know, we've had them on the show, we've talked to them, is they immediately, they were immediately like, what can't you download? Writing crap, you know, or whatever. And they go right to like, they adjusted on the fly. Again, so everything just sounds so double on top of it. Mm-hmm. But they've adjusted to things, you know, that in other words, that you're not going to be getting online, the things that you're not going to be downloading, which is, you know, and those are the businesses really that, that will survive, that will adapt. It's like you think about Google News is another one, where it just aggregates all of this stuff. You know, it aggregates all of this news, and you got to ask yourself, like, and I'm sure there is a way, but you ask yourself, like, what what are some of these print outlets going to do to keep somebody from just going, look, I'm going to go into Google News, and I'm going to get that story in, like, five seconds, and then I'm going to log off and go get some toast. You and know I don't I mean? have to wait until tomorrow or for you to stop the presses or you exactly. the print deadline, and the news has changed entirely in the time that it took to pull the saying. press. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, with the news, Tom Parker. So much for the budget. Uh, okay, here is, uh, here's a fascinating one, because, you know, talk about... A little leftover from the Clinton administration. Sixteen years after Bill Clinton tried to end restrictions on gays in the military, the U.S. armed forces under Barack Obama may be forced to give homosexuals the same welcome as non-gays. It's, uh, this is the don't ask, don't tell? Yeah. 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 Under President Clinton, the policy that once saw homosexuals discharged from U.S. military service evolved, if that's a... That's a generous word, too. Don't ask, don't tell, which, by the way, I think was his byword in his marriage, right? Yes. And uh, the and also, by the way, Clinton, but the Clinton administration, they were so, I don't say good, but they were just, they had such a knack for creating these weird phrases and these, you know, or these, these like, whoa. terms that they would, you know, and it was like Bill, Dick Morris had this thing about triangulation. That was his whole thing about being between sure. Republicans and Democrats and sort of above them. But don't ask, don't tell. Was it was like the I didn't inhale and the I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah, although you have to ask the average man take take ten men that are married and go and ask their wives. Do you consider if if Monica Lewinsky did to your husband what she did to Bill Clinton? Would you consider that to be sexual relations or not? I think (laughs) I think you'd get a ten out of ten there. And the what I have an amen, women. Aunt Sarah. I believe that would be sexual relations. Yeah, I'm thinking so. Yes, I, I would imagine It that. was all about definition with Bill. And, the, and what happened was you ended up with this gay, lesbian, bi, uh, tranny uh, population saying, we're, we were taken in by a slick oil salesman. Right. He well, basically shined them on and said, well, here's our, you no, know, no, we're going to, okay, we're going to make it, we're going to make I'll it. I'll take fine. your money because, take your money. you know, but it's okay. By the way, you. the new slogan, which works for me for a low these many years in marriage and, and everything else in my political life is don't ask, don't tell. So you got all of these. How rude of you to ask me. And you got, exactly. And you got the same thing that's going on with, with Obama and this like preacher guy who's going to be given at the oh, inauguration. Right. The, the, oh, oh, you're t- oh, the you're no gay marriage guy. And the gay community is saying, I think quite rightly, like we gave you all this money. Because they get you know, I'll tell you this, engagement, they got you talk about a group of disposable income. They gave them all this cash. There's not going to be any braces. And then the and and then the thanks, you know, is like some guy who uh, you know has railed against gay marriage, getting up and speaking at the inauguration. Now Barack Obama, who by the way, as we were noting repeatedly during the campaign, uh, even though the the, the, you know, the like the, the left really just grabbed onto him as just like the second coming of whatever, couldn't even bring himself to say the words gay marriage. Like in fact, I think at one point actually said like I am not in favor of gay marriage, which is. Not like any way to really be, be taking a stand, but this, sure. but this don't ask, don't tell thing, which was just so. I mean, I can't. It's not like I can speak for the gay community, but they were. Just, it seems like it seems almost more insulting oh, be, it because it's like this closeting that is pretending to be progress. Well, and the problem, the problem becomes who owns the president. In other words, do you? Why not have Rick Warren, the guy you're talking about, and uh, Reverend Wright, and whoever else you want to speak at this thing if you're supposedly doing a consensus deal? Right. Why not do that? Is it are you you know is that a total insult 
in, in a stop all to the gays? Is he saying kill these people? No. But there are going to be all these different ideas out there. If you're going to try to build a consensus government, you're going to have to stop worrying about which fringe is insulted by what small portion of Wait, the program. And then you have uh, you know Patrick Buchanan, who, of course, uh, you know, as as in all things, yeah. Pat Buchanan speaks speaks the political the political truth. You know, whatever one thinks about him, uh, you know, ideologically speaking, that guy's a realist. And Pat Buchanan said the greatest thing one time. He said that uh, he said, you know, all this. What did he say? It was some great Pat Buchanan to like malarkey or something. All this talk about togetherness. And he, Pat Buchanan is so great because every time Pat Buchanan, I, and I don't even know where he is anymore. Is he, is he on the, oh, that, he's, that, still, he's still floating around. A lot of people but, think, but, yeah. Where do you see him talking? That nutcase sister of his is always on you know, CNN with a big mushroom head. But I can't, but I can't, you know what I mean? Where she's got like that, like she looks like she's from a Hey Arnold cartoon. It's like her head is a football or something that's been turned sideways and she's, you know, Anderson, I know you couldn't get my brother, so I'm here to, you know, and it's, but, but it's like, I don't know where Pat Buchanan was, but every time Pat Buchanan would, get to, would, would start to speak, it was so great, because he would have this look on his face, and the look, the look was the phrase, look, you people are all idiots, I'm going to tell you how it is, and then he would say something that I think was very politically astute, and Pat Buchanan said one time, he, they were, you know, they were talking about togetherness and bringing us together, and unite or not a divider, another phrase, and and Buchanan went with the, look, all of this is just a bunch of malarkey. At the end, at the end of everything, you know, an election is dividing the House, and you want the slightly larger side. That's it. And I mean, so it's like with the Obama campaign, or with any, uh, you know, with any administration, they just got to figure out, like, look, man, you got you, you, on a lot of things, you just got to pick a side. Uh, you cannot be all things to all people. No, you can't. And, and, and amazingly so, even in this election, which went by a 52 percent, 53 percent, you know, Margin, it's surprising how close things are, relatively speaking. I'm, I would consider a landslide to be 90%. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this was, there was no contest on this. But it's a little bit of corollary to people's concept, and I'll get off of this for a second. Of, it always bothers me the concept that people get riled up about freedom of speech, because the only freedom of speech they want to protect are ideas that are similar to their own. Right. They don't want, you know, it, it is a great tradition in this country to dissent. I mean, it's one of the beautiful things about our country. You can actually say something really nasty about whoever the sitting president is, and not be hauled off by some well, goon squad. I thought that I actually thought that that was the greatest. You know, with, with people, this is and this is then this is my well, I'll have to move on. But this is my because otherwise it's just going to be a whole lot of like. Then I'm going to be like, you know, what it is. Then I'm going to be some shrill blonde in the afternoon screeching about like the the Diebold Corporation or whatever. <laughs> I don't know, and they stole the vote in Ohio. <laughs> I sound like a humorless husk. Um, but um, my, my I, cannot, I know who you're talking about. I've got to tell you that, or, you know, I, I'd like to listen to varying different points of view. Really? Points of view, but but you talk about nails on the chalkboard. Greater into your ear. Not nails on the chalkboard. That voice. Hold uh, on, let me go hit myself with a blunt object yeah, before I turn her on. But longer, and, uh, and so you, you just I turn her on, and I cannot. By the way, that's the, that's, the, that's like, can I tell you that that's the only time anybody will ever use the phrase "turn her on" and Randy Rhodes in the same sentence. You know what I'm talking about. We're, we're, anyway, so my my final thing is though, the, especially in Portland, and my wife is just my wife is only these, these godless hippie friends, and they're all like, you know, well, you know, George. Then it's like the George W. Bush is Hitler thing. Well, the George W. Bush is like you know, he's a dictator and a fascist and whatever. And you know, George W. Bush clearly, you know, not not the brightest of guys, and clearly it did a whole bunch of stuff to really wreck the country in a lot of ways. But my whole thing about the George W. Bush equals like fascist. The, the place that all falls down for me is when you look at a, like a guy like Michael Moore and Fahrenheit 9-11, where you know what, there's any number of countries on earth, like the minute he started like scripting that film, they would have put him in a cell and they would have beaten him into powder. He would have you know been done. I mean? yeah, he would have never been, seen yeah. the light of day. Yeah, I mean, he would have been, you know, him and his whole family floating in the river. We'll take a break, come back, reset after this with actual news. Tom Parker gracing us with his uh, uh, orthodontically perfect presence today. Thank you. Yes. 
Back after this, it's 503-733-2970. My microphone processing sounds fantastic today. Crisp and warm. It's just you. Ah. Your very personality being revealed at last. Thank you, Tom. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, wait, so somebody told me about the uh, the name of that thing. the, uh, the that, that, like, thing I saw advertised on television. Television. It's like the... The, the pad thing? The thing that you rub on your face. Okay, Let's I've see. seen that, too. I've seen it, like, at Walgreens or something. Yeah, I can't remember. Let's see. What is it, it called? It just looks like a, a sander. Yeah, it just looks like a, like a scouring, like a sanding pad. That's totally what it looks like. It looks like, uh, let's see, the, the thing you saw the commercial for. This one says it's basically fine sandpaper that removes hair. It doesn't work unless you grind your skin so hard that you get a rash. Yeah, so maybe I should, uh, yeah, maybe I should avoid that. That'll be, you know, and I would say this, about every, I don't know, like about every, like about every seven years or so, they'll come out with some, some hair removal product that doesn't work. That doesn't work and is painful. Uh, because right now, it's apparently this, like, mm-hmm. thing you rub on your face. A while back, it was that NADS stuff, which was awkwardly named and also was basically like a glue you would put on your hair, and you would just sort of shred it away. And then, of course, years before that, uh, when I was a uh, when I was an adolescent, they made this thing called the Epilady. And the Epilady, which I think was already gone by the time Sarah probably would have become a teenager. Do you remember the Epilady? I don't think so. Oh, do the epilady. Oh, that's the thing that pulls out your hair? Yes. It was oh, a, that's it, lovely. It was, yeah. it, I mean, it looked like a curling iron, but it had a big spring. And it would just, like, rip the hair out of you, like, yeah. right? Yeah. And oh. so it was, it basically, it was this. It was a, it, it would look like a curling iron that you would grab with a handle, and then it had a spring on it that was sort of in a U shape. And the deal is, like a, like a thousand times a minute, the spring would go from relaxed to cinched up and then yank upward. And so you would run it over your leg. And so as you were running it over your leg, the coils of the spring were going <clears throat> and cinching together and going <clears throat> and ripping the hair out. Do you recall what the nickname was for that device? I don't. Was it uh, Mutilady? Ah, uh, see, I don't remember that. All, Mutilady? All I remember is it was that my friend Eric was dating a girl uh, at the time who was using the Epilady, and, which I guess did work. But again, you know, it worked, but it was like, how much excruciating pain is it worth to have smooth legs or something? And so... <laughs> And so she's, like, using the epilating, and she's all like, ow, 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 damn it, ow, ow. And I think he made the mistake of, of sort of mocking her pain, as Buttercup would say. Uh, you know, he was like, ah, quit your bitching. And without even, she, one fluid motion, she just leaned over and just stuck it on his on his head. Oh. And he had, like, he had like you know, kind of you know, the curly hair. And so she puts it right on his head and just <laughs> pulls out a huge, and he, man, he never crossed her again. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, Tom Parker. All right, here's one. Uh, we can be so proud of the stories in our own backyard, folks. Uh, police say that William Wall of Mill City, that's that little town on Highway 22. I don't know why he was in Jackson County, but there he was uh, early early this uh, this week. He set a no-smoking sign on fire inside a Medford strip club following his attempt to light up a cigarette out inside the building. Apparently, the strip club's called The Office. He, he was told that the... No, 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 no. 
we don't do that anymore here under the new Oregon no smoking law. We don't light up in here. So and he, so he went outside and burned the no smoking sign? Well, well he, was, he was a reasonable man. Allegedly. And his first step was to try to light up. His second step was, well, if I can't sit here and smoke and, you know, stuff, you know, right. dollar bills into the G-strings, uh, then I'll sneak into the bathroom. No one would ever think of smoking in there. And when a bouncer tried to stop him, he reportedly set a paper no-smoking sign on fire, sending it up in smoke but doing no other damage. That got him charged with reckless burning and disorderly conduct, and he was taken to jail, where you're not allowed to smoke. I love it. That made national news. Really did it? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's probably be so proud. Oh, Oregon. Because it's, 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 it's the first one, right? That he, It seems like he is probably the first guy who has been charged under that no-smoking thing. Which, by the way, they probably would have just bounced him out, except he started lighting a fire. You know, let me just, a little, little, just a tip from me to you. Lighting fires inside a business is probably not the, the way to run, you know, it's not, not, not a page out of Dale Carnegie or anything. No, and, and I recognize this is radio and sight gags don't work, but you've only got to appreciate this guy's mugshot. There's a look about him that just says he's not taking it too very seriously. No, you know what he looks like? He looks exactly like <clears throat> Lewis, who is the next-door neighbor in uh, the office, uh, in office space, where he's all, uh, Peter, the brass jig is on! That, he looks exactly like that guy. That guy looks like somebody I'd want to be friends with. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He look like a guy who'd know where to drink. Yeah, he looks. He looks just cool. As as the young people it's say, like, that's you a know guy. what? You and your signs, f you. I'm gonna <laughs> let him on fire and let my cigarette with it. Well, you got the feeling they took this shot at the next door strip club. I mean, they got him out. He, he sprang him, and I'm sure the very next thing he did. He seems a little proud of himself, actually, in that shot. There's a look to it that just says. Not going to be corrigible. And by the way, I should uh, I should say that I went to. So we were talking about that bar, uh, the bar called My Father's Place. And I had to, I realized I had to preface it by saying it's a bar because everybody was calling Richie the other day and I was like, "Where's Where's Rick's father's place at? It sounds really cool." But it's a it's a bar on Grand and uh, in Southeast Portland. And I um, it's one of my favorite places just to hang out. And so we had talked about how that place was going to be affected by the smoking ban. I actually went there uh, last. Sunday, whatever, so like three days ago. I went there on Sunday, which is the first time I'd gone there since the smoking ban took effect, and it was kind of weird. I mean, I should say that because I don't smoke, after a while I didn't really notice because I didn't have to get up and go outside. But it was sort of strange the first time to walk in there and just to kind of, you did sense the absence. You know, you sensed mm -hmm. the lack of something. And even if you didn't somehow, like magically, if they could have wiped your brain and you wouldn't have known it was the smoke missing, you still would have gone... All right, there's something missing, but I can't put... And then it was the the smoke. It was weird, actually. I was at a bar last night that was used to be very smoky, and it was disgusting. It smelled so terrible in there. It smelled like all sorts of things that have come out of the human body and, and like... formerly been masked by cigarettes. Oh, yeah, and it was just and just like the stale, like the inside right. of an ashtray. It was so much worse. I couldn't even... I honestly stayed for half a drink, and I left. I didn't even... I'm just like, I'd rather go home and be in my nice-smelling apartment than sit in this gross room with... Because it's like, then what are you there for, right? Then yeah, you're just there to smell like ass. And so here's... And then you feel like you're starting to smell like it, too, because I'm... You'd you know, rather be, smell like smoke. I'd rather smell like smoke than whatever it is that's been soaking into those carpets for, you know, 20 years. And that's when you realize that cigarette smoke is some sort of like... It's like a carcinogenic Febreze, you know, that it covers up the smell of like an overflowing toilet and like a carpet that's never clean. You should have smelled it before we started smoking in here. That's the thing. And so that was the deal with that place. And somebody, uh, a guy who works at my father's place, one of the uh, one of the servers there, guy came over and he actually said something. He said something sort of sort of profound, actually, something that made a lot of sense. Uh, he came over and he said, because I'm a regular there, and he goes, hey, you know, Rick, what do you think of it? You know, what do you think about it without the smoke? And I said, well, you know, I said, yeah, it's weird. It's just, it's strange. And everybody else at the table, except for one person, our friend Nate was there, and he's a smoker. But everybody else at the table were all non-smokers. And he kind of knew that. And so the non-smokers at the table, of course, have to sort of like, they have to sort of revel in the victory. And the non-smokers are like, well, it's great. Personally, I'm a non-smoker. 
And this guy said the best thing that shut shut everybody up. He said, you know what? He said to you non-smokers, he's like, you are now morally obligated to come here twice as often as you did before, and you got to spend twice as much. It's like that's the thing. Business is off. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, if, but he's like, if you were a non-smoker and you push for this, you got to come here. Like you can no, like you, you, if you were going someplace else that was already non-smoking, you got to quit and you got to come here. I've got like a you are obligated. I've got a question, uh, Professor Emerson. Yes. Are the casinos exempt from this? Because I'm wondering, because forever, yes, if you are. go into Chinook Winds or uh, or or Spirit Mountain, you know, you are inundated. I, oh, being a non-smoker, I like to go to the non-smoking room, and sometimes it's not open because there's so few of us. They are, in fact, exempt, and here's how I know that, Tom Parker. Yes. yes. See, here's the thing. Thank you, by the way, for making me look smarter than I really am, because if you'd asked me, um, like, two days ago, I wouldn't have known. Uh, my wife went out to the coast this last weekend with some of her... Uh, with some of her bead stringing friends and on the way back though this is why i love my wife on the way back and not having not having kids really does free you up in a lot of ways because you can do this sort of thing like she can at the drop of hat go i'm going to the coast for two days play xbox bye and then on the way back i'm here at work it's like six o'clock she calls me i think it was monday night i think phone rings i answered my wife she says uh she says hey how are things going i'm like fine i'm uh, you, you back from the coast yet and she goes no i'm just now leaving now um now there's a casino on the way, so I'm gonna be late, uh, you know. And and I said, uh, okay, enough said, whatever. She calls me about two and a half hours later. I'm like, hey, how was the casino? She goes, well, it was okay, but there's a there's another casino just about a hundred yards away. So you know, don't like get your own dinner. I'll be back later. And so she got home later, and uh, apparently it ended up being a bit of a wash. But I asked her the same thing. I said, what's up with the casinos? Casinos still smoking. Of course. Because I think is the, the deal with the Indian reservations is they get that their own like they they are exempt from certain of the man's laws I think. Gosh, I might start gambling then. Piece of soil. There so you go. You can go to, to some smoky place. I mean, I think. I mean, really. I mean, I think they could pretty much be. I mean, I think they could. But really you don't smoke, right? You don't smoke. I don't know. If, if, her, if her apartment doesn't smell like smoke, I'm just triangulating. But well, I'm not an I'm not an inside. You're a social smoker. I'm a social smoker. It's not wow. something I do when I. That I'm... was something I could never do. I mean, the concept of being a social smoker to me was like. Because I, when I was, uh, unfortunately, it's been a long time since I quit, but I, we're talking three, three packs a day when I was on the air. Is it because, hey, uh, I'm sorry, I, I hate to do this. So could you smoke in the studio? Oh, wait, what are you? Back then, yes. Back Richie, then. I hate to do this. We, we, I have a viso that's in the freezer. Will you, would you ever bring that in for me? That'd be great. I just wait for it to slowly explode. I'm sorry. I just, I, well, I don't want it to freeze solid. Well, I would, be, I, it's not like I'm trying to make Richie fetch my things. By the way, those of you listening, Rick does consume these things as he talks about it, and he's looking forward to it. Oh, and I'm actually getting a little twitchy now. So we got a little bionic Cuff on him right now, showing his caffeine load is dropped to below <laughs> seven thousand milligrams. Seriously, it's like a, it's like in a video game. My health has gone to five. Well, which you know, wizard needs to be so badly. But the other part of the question is, what do you do when you get all these people that are smokers going through nicotine withdrawal and combining and fueling themselves with alcohol? That can't be good. That's no, the other thing. Everyone was hissy last night. Oh, like yeah. even I, like cause even the owner of the bar that I was at, like was there, and everyone's just you know stepping outside to have cigarettes and just a bunch of grumpy drunk. People and then you have to go sit in the stinky room. That's my other thing, for the love of God. And again, keep in mind, I have never smoked a cigarette in my life. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. It's just not my. And again, I'm not trying to be holier than now. It's just my dad. Multiple. I don't know how many. I was, you know, lots of packs a day. My dad smoked a lot of cigarettes a day, and hacked, coughed, choked. Um, you know, just and and he would occasionally try to quit, which is worse. So in some ways, because he was just, I mean, my dad was not a pleasant person under the best of circumstances, but he would just turn into, like, as much of a bastard as he typically was. He would just go twice as twice as, as, as nuclear. Uh, and then he would be like, well, I'm all grumpy. Maybe I'll cure it with alcohol. And then it would just, they went badly. And then he would, my dad was such a smoker 
that when he would quit, he would try to go cold turkey. And he would get this withdrawal, and he would like, and he would make him sick to his stomach. So I would wake up, and he would be in the bathroom actually being sick because of the lack of cigarettes. And then as soon as he would start smoking, they, you know, the, the what, morning sickness, what do you want to call it? The morning, you know, being upset, you know, to his stomach would go away. So, um, but yes, you're going to get bars full of people who are cranky about the cigarette thing, and then they're drinking. So I'm actually surprised this kind of thing has happened all the well, time. The only thing better is if we open a pan gun shop next door. I like the way you think. Um, and then, it, and so my my final thing about that is this. And again, I say this is a guy doesn't smoke cigarettes, uh, but just resents uh, the ever encroaching spread of government into into private property and private business. I had the biggest fight with my wife about this on New Year's Eve, uh, and then we made up and we went to dinner, or whatever. But I was just like, you know, like my wife's a big bleeding heart. She's a big big liberal and move on dot org and all of that. She's yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, and she, like, you know, she gives money to all kinds of, like, you know, big bleeding heart causes, which is fine, which is one of the reasons I love her. But but she's all for the smoking ban. And I'm like, you know, for the love of God, like, the government ought to stay out of your own business. But but my, my final thing is that it's one thing. They always go, like, well, in California, it's no problem. So, you know what? And that's had the way to motivate us. Well, even the soft Californians could do You know what? In the worst-case scenario, soft Californians are standing outside when it's 55 degrees mm-hmm. and, you know, not snowing. Not blowing sideways That's like the today. Thing. Here, it's like you want to go smoke, and it's, I mean, I'm not saying, fine, you, I guess you have no choice now, but the point, but it's a false comparison to say that, well, you can just stand outside. Californians have been there for, It's one thing when it's 70 degrees and the beach is right over there. No, I had a little view into that glimpse, and I know you've got to, I know you've got to take a reporter here in a second, but I had a little view of that on the way down here today on Barber Boulevard. I saw some poor ass would be standing in the driving rain, which, by the way, it is miserable out there. Driving rain. Today, right now? At the bus. Oh, yeah. At the bus stop and smoking a cigarette. I thought, now, there are two things I wouldn't want to be doing today. Absolutely. Well, that's, you have to admire their commitment, though. I mean, they're going all the way. Sarah's right. They're really they're they're, they're living the dream. <laughs> uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, Steve Castenbaum, joining us. Hello, sir. Hey. How, how are, are you, brother? You? What's up? Pretty good. We haven't had smoking uh, in the bars here in New York uh, for for years now. That surprises me. Can you smoke in like a private, like a like a whatever, like a fraternal lodge or something? Um, you know, I don't think you can smoke anywhere that people are actually employed in any way, shape, or form, because it, it, the law was passed in a way that uh, it was written in a way that was meant to protect people who were in their work environments from secondhand smoke. The waiters are ridiculous. But, but it's funny because it's just like any other place. Like you go to bars, but uh, they won't have ashtrays out, mm-hmm. but you can smoke in there. Well, there, I there understand are, what there you are, mean. There, there are a few oh, in New York, that, yeah. that, that violate the law. There are a few, but very few, and they and they often get fined, and then they stop allowing it to happen. And then, but what you have here now is you wind up with a you know a huge crowd of people on a Friday or a Saturday night in front of every bar and restaurant and club, and uh, you know and now the you know the communities start complaining because at uh, two in the morning there's a loud group of people out in front, you know smoking, and, and the bouncers are trying to keep the the noise down, but at the same time. They don't want to get fined by the city for allowing people to smoke inside. Hey, I got a great idea. I know you're sick of hearing that phrase, just like you're <laughs> sick of hearing. Here's a here's an idea for a for a sidebar piece. Um, this, okay, this because somebody uh, had had said because you know the thing in Utah. If you live in Utah, all the bars in Utah are private clubs uh, where you have to pay a small membership fee and you get a membership card and there's like a whatever. And that, that is the way the law is written. That's how they get around the smoking. And the membership thing. fee is nothing. It's like a dollar or five dollars. Yeah, it's like three bucks it's a charade. Totally. Yeah, no, it is, it is. Yeah, it is a transparent falsehood, as the British legal system would say. But that's how you get exactly, Tom. That's how you get it. You pay three bucks and then no, 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 it's a private club. We can do what we want. <laughs> 
And that doesn't really work here. They actually wrote the law to exempt private clubs, which is like even now like a Moose Lodge or a Knights of Columbus Hall or something you can't you can't smoke, which is and at the and at and at the VFW of all places, you can go over and like you don't go over and like have one of your limbs shot away. You're can't a have a cigarette. Warren Warren, you can't have a smoke. Well, at least they're over there fighting for the right for the government to uh, you know to repress us, Tom. But um, but you know what they ought to do? Yeah. Okay. This is really this right now. This, this moment. Is the one. This is it. I know. I got your pencil ready, Steve. I, for your I know. Voice I, recorder. I know. I say this a lot. I say it so much that Sarah doesn't even listen to me anymore. What? I, that's what I'm saying. I say these, and Sarah just—it's like a ticking clock in the background. You don't even hear it after a month or two. This is why people listen to the Rick Emerson program right now. This is the golden ticket. This is the view behind the curtain. This is the E ride at Disneyland. What they ought to do. Is that one of these bars, Sarah? Like, uh, you know, what's your what's? I mean, like, a, what's a place? You don't have to say your favorite place. What's a place that really ought to be? You know, what the, what's a bar that really ought to be? You know, that you would like to see be able to take it back? Uh, the Sandy Hut. We'll take the Sandy Hut, or as people here are obliged to call it, slut. yeah, the Handy Slut. Um, but uh, it, it, what that place really ought to do? They ought to become a church. <laughs> there you go, smoking. Exempt. You know what? You know what? They have now got laws in prison where you can smoke certain substances in prison if it's part of your religion, and the state can't do anything about it. First you, Church of the Undulating Navel. And you tell Johnny Law, like, suck on that, pal. Sometimes you're genius. They ought to become a church. In the silliest way. You know what? And the church, tobacco is a sacrament. So you can get effed, government. There you go, right there. Steve, I hear your pencil Rick Emerson, rapidly. represent. Rapidly. That's Everything. right. That's what I'm it talking about. Happen. Southeast. Yeah. You probably went to J school, too, didn't you, Rick? Uh, didn't you, Steve? No, but I'm thinking about this. So, so the, the the tobacco would actually have to be part of your religious paraphernalia. That's what I'm talking about. For it to be look, in order for it to be legal. You know, right? but I mean, how hard could it be to reverse it? How, look, let's be honest. I'm thinking about this. How hard could it be to create some 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 ridiculous scam religion that people join? Just read the news. Mm. I mean, so. That's, you said that. I didn't say that. Um, the uh, so, but yeah, that's what I'm saying right there. You just. There you go. Tobacco, the sacrament, this is our church. And then, then, if the man tries to stop you, as they always do, then it becomes a first amendment. You become a cause celebre. You know, I, I'd like to go into a Rastafarian house of worship. Yeah. Well, see but, what goes on there. See, because, I mean, I, but I don't know, and I don't know how that works with specific religions and substances, but I do know that in American prisons, there are items that are contraband. Candles, for example. You are not allowed to have candles, but now there have been lawsuits that religions who need candles for certain services, uh, Catholics among them, uh, you, you file a lawsuit like you can't deny me my religious rights. Need a candle. And you know what? Guy's got to give you a candle. Yeah, you got to think that Rastafarian church that you were talking about brings in a Zeppelin on a scissor lift or something for the whole congregation. <laughs> a Zeppelin on a scissor lift. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like the name of some weird, like, Frank Zappa experimental orchestral album or something. Or two of his children. Tonight we'll be performing, uh, the Dweezil will be performing Zeppelin on a scissor lift in its entirety. <laughs> uh, with uh, Carmen uh, uh, Picha on drums. Oh, wow, right. pulling one out. Yeah, that's what I do. All right, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Bar, got to become a church. The church of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Tobacco is our sacrament. You know, come, come, come and arrest me, the man. Can I ask a question? Yes. Was there a reason he called? Oh, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Tom. I, no, and I really mean that. Thank you. I'm sorry. I forgot you were there, Steve. I had a little uh, tombstone moment there. I'm sorry, Johnny Tyler. I forgot you were there. You may go. Um, and so forth. Well, there's no non-awkward segue into this. I... Yeah. Hey, here's the thing, and, I, and you really have to believe me. I really mean this in a sincere, 
we talked about this the other day. So I mean this sincerely. When I, I don't mean to sound flip or to make light. But I saw this headline yesterday where they're saying after, uh, you know, a shelling claims 30 lives in this whole Gaza business, that they're saying, well, the, 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 tr- the ceasefire or whatever, tr- truce or something proposed, which just, you know, which is just like, it's like, an, you know what it is? It's like a program in basic where you're just, it's like, you know, it's like uh, you know, the shell, death, uh, you know, condemnation, truce, go to 10. And then it just loops over and over again. And so my question is, the whole, you know, if you always do what you always done, you're always going to get what you always got kind of school of thought. So at any point, is the Obama administration, do you think, going to try to break this sort of infinite loop that this whole thing seems to be stuck in? What's going on in the Mideast in general? I mean, yeah, I mean, and, you know, and I know I'm, I'm kind of asking you probably to speak something you typically can't, but are there any signs, though, that, that well, the Obama administration is going to do something differently? Because we've, we've been here before, right, is my point. Absolutely, and, uh, this, and it just keeps escalating every time. You know, we've been in these situations before where uh, it, it becomes a, a he said, a she said, except it's, you know, it's a Gaza said, it's a, it's a Hamas said, Israel, uh, Israel said type situation. And, you know, who, who started it this time is always up, to, up for debate. And it just, but the, the level of violence just keeps escalating with each series of incidents. And this is, seems to be the worst it's gotten uh, in, in a long time. And uh, so with the Obama administration, there has been a lot of speculation about who's going to be his special Mideast envoy, who's going to be on his team uh, of, of experts thinking up solutions for Mideast peace, something that can actually last and people can latch on to. But uh, you know, I've seen the names. I'm familiar with the people. There was a, an article in the Atlantic Monthly online today, a little blurb about who will be on there, and there's a former U.S. ambassador to Israel, Dennis Ross, who was seen as being very pro-Israel, but we also know that the former ambassador, uh, uh, Kurtzer, who was also an ambassador to Israel and, and was part of the uh, Clinton administration at one point, he too is being considered, and he's, you know, and then the critics, uh, his critics say, oh, well, he's pro-Palestinian. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You put one guy in and one side doesn't like him, you put the other guy in and, and the other side is unhappy. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're definitely thinking about it because I asked uh, Ambassador Kurtzer, who, who I've interviewed before in the past uh, on the Mideast, if he would, you know, come on the air with me and do some interviews, and he said he couldn't because of the work he's doing with the transition team right now. So I take that as a sign that he's, you know, working on right. this right. And, and thinking very deeply about it along with uh, many very smart people. But, you know, I heard him once say in a class, uh, in a graduate class at Princeton, I, I sat in on, and he said, you know, there's nothing you guys can come up with and nothing you can present to me on this, that hasn't been already thought of, and that hasn't already failed. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, I think, that is why I think at a certain point, I mean, I, and I don't know, I mean, I can't, who knows what, who knows what, what lurks inside the, the, the collective mind of the, of the Bush administration, but I, it was just such a weird uh, kind of hands-off, like, no, no, no attempt to do any intervention of any kind policy, I think, for just so long. And maybe, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe though, in their defense, maybe that was part of it. We're like, look, we've, we've tried them all. Like, we've tried every key on the chain. There's well, nothing working. To- they tried that big gathering in Annapolis uh, last year where uh, President Bush tried to get all the parties together for one last uh, big push to create uh, a long-lasting peace in the Mideast. And, and they, you know, they came out with some agreed-upon principles, but it was really wasn't any different than other uh, gatherings like that had produced, and, and nothing really came of it. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's just one self-perpetuating uh, – uh, I mean, it's a self-perpetuating cycle that, that just has – 
no end in sight. To be honest. Saying. Hey, by the way, but as we wrap this up, I think there's something that uh, you know. So we can all agree. We're all you know. We're men here, and Sarah. There's something we can agree on. That woman. What is she? The uh, she's the uh, the Israeli. Uh, was she the foreign affairs minister? Is that the woman I'm thinking of? Sippy Livni. Yeah. Wow, she's uh she's quite a looker. I'm a big fan of hers. You know, there are a lot of guys out there who are fans of her. In fact, there's you know how we had Obama girl. Here yes. in US, there is a, a, a Livni boy in Israel. Really? Yeah, because you know she's one of the people vying for uh, the uh, prime minister spot. Yeah. Uh, in the upcoming election. So there's a guy, a guy in Israel. Yeah, he's on YouTube. No, she's that. Uh, she's that great combination too. Where she's uh, she she really is a, a great combination of like three different things. She's uh, she's hot. She's attractive. And she's really smart, uh, and and you get the feeling that she could. Uh, you, you get the feeling she probably wouldn't hesitate to use a, to use some sort of force against you personally if she had to, which I find kind of sexy. So, well, well she's no gold in my hair, I'll tell you that. Seems like a woman who can get things done. All right, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, until next time, my friend. Have a good day. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Thanks a lot. Bro. Thank you, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there you go. It was amazing. I mean. We abused that man for half of his report. Yeah, well, you know, but here's the he thing. He likes it's, to be spectacular. I was just going to say, he, Steve likes it rough, uh, Tom. That's what you have to know. Well, it's, you, uh, come on, you can you completely give people their own theme songs. I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to report on this show? You get your own theme song. Well, you it, but you have to work toward that. Not everybody, you know, sometimes there are people, uh, you know, that we talk to occasionally who I believe still do not have their own theme song. Uh, we well, gave Amanda me. Moyer a theme song, finally. Um, mm. Is there anybody from CNN that doesn't have a theme song? Constantini does. Dick Giuliano doesn't. Yeah, he used to, but now it's Lisa's theme. Yeah, that's right. It was. That's right. It was the West Wing theme. And, you know, it really was kind of meant to be hers all along. I think we just didn't know it. Mm. So, I don't know. You know we got to ask him at some point if he wants something or other. All right. Uh, we'll do a couple more. We'll take a break. Uh, of course, filling in for laid off uh, Portland media personality uh, Tim Riley, but laid off Portland media personality Tom Parker. Indeed, we are. Uh, let's uh, take a little look at this. We were talking earlier about whether or not somebody had uh, had uh, come to grips with their crime when they burned the sign in the uh, Jackson County. Uh, strip club, yes. there's no smoking sign, and then we have the mugshot of him smirking. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll be back. Well, uh, Maryland's not to be outdone. Uh, they uh, they continue to have a, a a lovely little break-in on leaving jail. Uh, Sean L. Hawkins Jr. walked out of a Prince George's County Jail in Maryland on his own recognizance. He immediately, immediately carjacked a Toyota 4Runner because, quote, he needed a ride home from jail. <laughs> The 22-year-old, six-foot-tall, 300-pound Hawkins had been arrested. So he wasn't going to be taking any sissy car. Wonderful. And tossed in the slammer after assaulting his own mother. But the judge let him loose when a court date was assigned. Obviously, he couldn't call his mom. But instead of getting a taxi or perhaps even inconveniencing a friend, he yanked Roberto Valderas from his Toyota 4Runner and took off for home. So this wasn't like he hotwired the thing. He grabbed a person. And I heard them. those are pretty easy to steal. Yeah, those 4Runners apparently vanish uh, without much effort at all. Well, when they're running, it's, you know, if you're 300 pounds, you got a pretty good, you know, but I like the idea that he didn't want to bother anybody, except no. for the guy who was being physically thrown out of the vehicle as his car was being stolen. You know, it, you know the thing with a guy like that, it's like you almost, what was he What was he originally in jail for? He was assaulting his own mother. Oh, well, uh, oh, wow. I was going to say, I see, I was also, I was almost going to say, like, you almost have to just kind of go, well, he's lovable. But maybe, maybe who, not. Who assaults their own mother? Well, that's, I, did, I didn't really know. I didn't know the argument. Says police just, caught know. up with Hawkins a couple hours later when they spotted him driving around without his headlights on, and now additional charges have been added to the docket. This guy is, this guy it's might, great. well, wait a second, we're going to get, the, let's start uh, in the pool. Is he going to make it through 2009 without getting on the Darwin list? Or I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's like, didn't, the story would have, and, and, you know, the story would have ended with, you know, with with him somehow like, you know, let, well, let's see how how high in the air I can throw this brick. 
Jesus. All right. Well, let's take a break here. We'll come back. We'll reset more news with Tom Parker around the corner. Uh, later on, we'll get to the uh, top five for today. Uh, we got the Geek Watch still to come today. Double Corpse Watch uh, still to come today. And uh, just a whole pile of whatnot. You stay there. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. We'll return next. Try your best. Try everything you can. Don't you worry what they tell themselves. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 733 503-733-2970. Join us tomorrow when our guest will be Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, who I think we had to postpone for a day, as well as Dorothy Cassiseri from the National Enquirer and uh, so forth. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to read this really quickly. I'm going to read this really quickly, then we'll be uh, rejoined by Tom Parker, uh, who's uh, filling in, uh, filling in uh, today in the news department and doing a, a stellar job. A job like a, um, mm-hmm. what is that like word? Like pro that he is. See, that, I was going to say that, but then I was, do you ever see a word like written and then you go to say it out loud and then you're kind of going, how do I pronounce that? Um, which I think I did earlier with something. I think I actually did that earlier today and I sort of tried to play it off like I knew what I was saying. Uh, what is that, uh, what is that word? It's Y-E-O-M-A-N. Like yeoman. Yeoman, but what is that? Yeoman? Yeoman's job. But who is, what is a yeoman? I never a heard yeoman of is a, a hard-working swabby. I'm not Swabby? sure what a yeoman is. I, for, I know that if you're in, I know that if you're in the navy, more circular. I'm sure that there are people who are who have been uh, naval uh, folks that have been yeoman before. But I don't know where the expression yeoman term. Here we go. A noun used to indicate a variety of positions of social classes. Also used as a complimentary adjective in deference to a diligence. Something that's going to take me too Listen, long to load. It's funny. I. Uh... It's, no, but it's funny. I looked up. I looked up a different uh, in a different dictionary. And listen to this one. Um, a mounted archer who fights on foot. <laughs> Tom, you know, as o- you're doing the news, as only a mounted archer who fights on foot really can. As only a sword-wielding Valkyrie. Uh, as only Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves, uh, could really do it. Uh, well done, Tom Parker. Uh, you know, the description of Betelgeuse, one of the uh, one of the stars in the uh, Orion uh, constellation. It, it roughly means it's Arabic for the armpit of the great yeoman or something, bowman, something like that. Ah, uh, dependable worker, a work of such person, diligent, that kind of thing. So, there you go. So, let me read this real quickly, and then we'll be uh, rejoined by... Uh, What's his name? The Yeoman. Guy, Tom Parker. Uh, and so forth. We'll do, uh, uh, you know, some other stuff later on, the top five and, and, and what the... I just want to read this really quickly. There's not a whole... I mean, I guess there is stuff to talk about here, but I just... It's, it's a long story, but I just... I wanted to read it just so we can be done with it here, because it's been sitting here sort of annoying me. The U.S. Attorney for, the US attorney for Nebraska said Wednesday... Here's the thing about this story that I'm going to read, is that sometimes you will see that thing on the Internet where they will be talking about, like, it's usually about teacher sex stories. It'll be a story about, like, so-and-so was caught humping some guy, you know, whatever. And then, but there won't be a photo, and somebody, like, the third guy to post a comment, like, the first guy will say first, and the second guy will say first. Yeah, because they both do it at the same time. Exactly. So annoying. And then the fourth guy says first, damn, you know, or whatever, or woot or something. But the third guy always says Threat is useless without pics, or, you know, story is useless without pics, meaning, like, if you're not going to show it to us, why even tell us? Here's a thing kind of like that with this story. If you're not going to elaborate on this or give me more of the money sentence here, why even say this? 
The Attorney General for Nebraska said Wednesday, He's still waiting on reports from the FBI about an unstable passenger aboard a Continental Air Express commuter jet who attacked a flight attendant. The jet was heading to Omaha from Houston last Friday when a middle-aged man left the plane's lavatory covered in his own feces. Ah, oh, that's just so bad. Smeared or just when you thought airline flight couldn't get worse. Now see, here's the thing. You know, you're all breathing the same air, so you're breathing, breathing his feces air. Maybe it's time to smoke feces air. Thank you for flying feces air. If he's covered in poop, I'm having a cigarette. <laughs> who can disagree? Who can disagree? Thank you. Um, but then they never really go back to it. All you have here, and look at this. But that's like the first sentence. The story goes on for another 12 paragraphs. Who wants to know more? Uh, me, the answer. Oh, man. Uh, it says, quote, oh, it was awful. It was worse than awful. Stacy from Houston, who asked that we not use her last name, says the plane had just one flight attendant in the cabin, a young man who moved the other passengers forward to empty seats and to keep the unkempt passenger. Unkempt is when I forget to comb my hair in the morning. In the back row... The poo-covered passenger. That's what I'm saying. The flight attendant asked the passenger to go back into the lavatory and clean up. Quote, I hear all this ruckus and yelling, and I kind of turned around, and the poor flight attendant is on his back, and the guy is punching him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Imagine you wake so had up. had he covered himself with it, or did he have an accident? Was he an old man who lost control of him? He had, he had, uh, he had run out of his supply. He, he was a middle-aged man left the plane's lavatory after about 40 minutes, covered... In his own feces. But then, but so then he jumps on this poor steward and starts punching him. Imagine you're there, you're, you know, you get up, I can't wait to go to work. What a satisfying job I have. And then fast forward like six hours I later. I get to see the world. You're, you're, you're on, on your back in the aisle of a plane. A guy covered in feces is beating you in the face. Um, He's beating the poo out of him to reload. There were... There were two male passengers behind me that got up to get the guy off of him. The poor steward, he's got a black eye. His eye is swelling, leaving out the obvious filth. I felt so sorry for him. The airline will not comment on the situation. What does so, it say? What airline? Uh, wait, 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 uh, wait. Continental Air Express. Oh, man. Express. I mean, you know, so I mean... Is that it, actually, in fact, Con Air? Yes. Yes, it was, okay. Sarah. So, um, yeah, anyway, so uh, there you go. Um, by the way, the, the only thing they will say is this. There was a disturbance. We're glad it came to the conclusion that it did, but I can certainly understand anybody on the plane being upset by what they saw. Smelled or smelled or... That's, yeah, that's a lot of... Uh, that's the thing where you must have looked two or three times to see if the image would change. You know what I mean? Like, that you must have done the weird double-take... I, I, trying to look to see if, like... No, 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 that can't... Wait, no, no? Ah, oh, God. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, at the news desk... And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. All right, you think they're a little punch drunk around here, think of Spokane. You remember how fed up we were with the snow by the time the novelty wore off about right. 48 hours after enough of that siege? Spokane is getting hammered. More than six feet of snow in the past three weeks has left Spokane residents frustrated. Temperatures are so frayed that a man was arrested for shooting at a snowplow operator. Uh, it's disrupted everything. Uh, roofs are collapsing. Streets are so clogged with ice and slush. Locals are starting to refer to it as Snowmageddon. <laughs> That's stupid. Even visitors are impressed. I prefer uh, Dave Schmicky's Snowgasm. That was much better. <laughs> that was very impressive. Uh, no, but, but Snowgasm implies some sort of pleasure in it. I, I think that is long gone. I, I guess, no, that's a fair point. Well done, Tom Parker. Way to, way to cut to the core of the issue. And, you know, here's the thing about it. You were talking about how when the novelty wears off. Here's when the novelty wears off. The novelty wears off when the snow either changes color and gets all like brown or black or, you know, whatever, uh, or 
the novelty wears off when there is no unbroken smooth expanse because that's when it's pretty right before it's like filled with tire tracks and shoe prints yeah so did you but here's the thing did you notice this when you talk about snow giddiness i mean we all went like mental here i don't just mean here i mean like portland you know went really nuts about you know about the snow i remember like it was uh, was just a few weeks ago but it seems like it was forever ago i remember like in the third day that everybody was like i can't go anywhere and it was just like all you know everything was covered in front of my house, and granted, this is like maybe less uh, uncommon in Southeast Portland. I remember sitting in my house in Southeast Portland, and I took, went to take one of my dogs out or whatever, and I was, do, I was doing something. I was standing outside, and there's like a couple, and not like a homeless couple. I mean, like like a normal, upstanding, you know, could have been, could have been anybody, could have been any, any couple. There's a couple just walking down the middle of the street in front of my house with a huge bottle of booze that they were passing between, like at noon. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, not on the sidewalk, That's in the, the middle prices. of the road, walking down the street, giggling, passing each other a big bottle of, like, Jack there are Daniels. No rules on Snow Day. That's the thing. And no that, rules. Exactly. It's, that's what Lara said. She's like, you know what? And she had the, she, this is what my wife said. She had this theory. She has this theory that the, the trigger for this, because everybody did so. Like, you would look around and people would be walking across the middle of the street. Oh, and... yeah, we'd have walking beers to the bars. Like, we would just be walking in the middle of the street in the middle of the day and just have a walking beer. And exactly. Like... And the road is the thing. Her theory was that psychologically speaking, when you look out and you don't see any roads, that's when in your head it becomes a big park. Mm-hmm. Like, when you don't see the street, you don't think car. That's like in your head. It is just one big, it's one big walking park. That's it. No, so. snow days are infamous for just being the drunkest days it was pretty great actually i wanted to as dumb as this if, if they wouldn't have sounded weird i almost wanted them to stop so i could take a photo she'd be like southeast portland yeah and just uh, the couple just boozing it up in the middle of the road you know while undoubtedly getting frostbite it was kind of sweet you couldn't do a surreptitious camera phone snapchat no that's just weird that just ends with the guy beating you up all right nah, not if he's drunk he's, so gonna, he's gonna miss you He's not going to get He's drunk chasing you in the snow. I think you get the edge. Here's Todd Parker with the news. All right, so back in Spokane, just one thing. Snow rage getting to some. Uh, one man was arrested by Spokane police after gunshots were fired Monday morning at a private snowplow operator who was clearing a parking lot. Who tries to shoot the snowplow guy? The police said the motorist apparently got upset when the snowplow operator honked his horn. Uh, the police spokesperson said it's safe to say if fuses are short, people are frustrated. We're having some increase in neighborhood disputes regarding snow relief. Don't, don't shoot the guy who's trying to plow you. That's just that's just hey, counterproductive. Hey. Don't, yeah, don't do that. It doesn't. Tell. Right, so right. there they go. So right. Six feet of snow. They say downtown snow has been piled in the middle of streets and hills that are taller than adults. Give the impression of driving in giant slots. <laughs> wow, that is kind of weird, actually. This could be your next video game, right? You know what right it is? Because then, it, you know what it is? Then it's like you're driving through that maze at the end of The Shining. You know, <laughs> you're just driving along, waiting for Scatman Crothers to be. Ah, I got an axe in me. You know. All right, here's here's Tom Parker. Okay, I don't know how to share all these lovely stories sometimes. Uh, okay, we did that. We're doing uh, a, did we do a watch? We do oh, a, you want to do the, you want to do which, which watch? Which uh, watch? I think it's the snuff the watch. watch? Because it's going to be, uh, I think we tried to do it yesterday and we ran out of time. Here's your uh, snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick and Mr. Radio program. Stuff Watch pages take you now to the lovely streets of Ann Arbor, Michigan, or some back bedroom. Anyway, Ron Ashton, original member of the influential proto-punks, the Stooges. Iggy and the Stooges. Uh, died in his Ann Arbor home early Tuesday morning. He was 60 years old. 
you know, when, you know, this is the trouble. Anytime that you're a punk or avant-garde or something like that, and you, you get your AARP card, you lose all your status. I actually thought the same thing. I saw just a little headline about that the other day, and it is, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, nobody, nobody, uh, you know, I'm not, it's not my job to tell some guy when to, when to check out, either of a career or of life, but it is weird when you read about a guy who was in the Stooges being 60 years of age. You're just like, your head can't. Your head can't really kind of wrap your, your, your itself around that sometimes. It is, it's a thing that you can't really comprehend. It's like I, the other day we were talking about the, that new ACDC album, which is really, really good. I mean, and, and in a way that, like, it's legitimately, you don't even have to adjust your standards. It's legitimately good. But, you know, Brian Johnson is 61 years say, old. Everybody there is getting the $3 special at Denny's. Yeah, I mean, it's like you listen to it, and you kind of, like, in a way, you're almost like, see, the thing about it, for me anyway, it's like if you are a, if you're a rock a rock singer, because this is more of a rock thing. Like, if you're a country guy or a blues guy, you can play from jazz, you can play forever. If you're some rock guy, it's like when you hit about 35 or 40, like, you probably ought to call it a day. You ought to, you ought to bag it. But the thing is, like, if you don't, once you hit about 60, then it's like, I don't ever want you to quit. One, if you're a rock dude, or especially a hard rock performer, if you make it all the way to 60, you know what it's like? Then you have totally earned the right to rock until the day you die. Sort of the Tony Bennett of hard rock. Exactly. Sort of like, well, the, the band that comes to mind, although it's far more mainstream, but you know, the Stones. Right. I mean, these guys are, the friend of mine said we should rename them the Strolling Bones. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Back in the 60s, they used to run off stage and smoke things and inhale right. things. Now they run off stage and inhale from oxygen tanks. Or literally. Just, or literally. Just dash off to Switzerland. They're like, hey, uh, look, I need some new blood. I uh, know all of it. No, it's uh, just, uh, look, how long, can I just like an in and out thing, just fill me? But um, the Stones are all, I mean, they they got to be 60, mid-60s, I would say. Oh, yeah. Well, Paul McCartney's, what, 65, 66, they were contemporaries. So, That's yeah. right, because we had to live through all of those. Wait, were you, let me ask you this. 64. Were you working at an oldie station when you had to do the whole, Sir Paul, we still love him now that he's 64 or whatever? Did you have to do that? No, I didn't. Uh, I did not do that line. I No. Let me ask you this. You uh, know what the problem, and I only worked at an oldie station for three months, mind you. And, yeah, but it just and, seems that's like dog years. Well, now. here's the thing with the oldie station. I mean, you, you get ready to introduce somebody, and, and you introduce them, and, and unfortunately it's becoming this way with the punk era, too. Uh, you know, it becomes, you know, it, it, it becomes the late Sid Vicious. It right. becomes the late Buddy Holly. Folks, these people aren't late. They are not coming. <laughs> they're, they're dead. 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 Freaking dead. And I, you know, the thing about, and here's, this is just speaking for me. This is just, and this is a generational thing, I think, for me. I worked in oldies radio, which was just, it's not even that it was bad. I mean, I understand why that radio, I understand why that format, which is, you know, kind of kind of going away. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, that audience is, uh, that, that format's evolving, let's say. But I understand why the oldies format sounds the way it does. And Sarah has worked in, in music radio and has experience in, you know, different forms of media. You really, though, and I'm just saying for me to you, you really ought to thank your lucky stars that you it came of age just late enough to not have to work in oldies radio or a format like that. It is like every single day just wanting to hang yourself from the mic boom. I mean, at least it was for me. I mean, it was just the worst. I did not have that. It was like a living, breathing hell. You, there the downside are, is a host. No, the downside is a, is a disc jockey is that there is no new that, product. That rough, You're going yeah. to play. The, you, you talk about being stuck in sort of a Kafka-esque uh, thing. You are going to play the same song. It's Groundhog You're going to shuffle Day. them around. It is Groundhog Day. It is Groundhog Day. <laughs> But it's Groundhog Day, but like with, uh, you know, it's Groundhog Day, but with like, uh, but like with the turtles singing in a harmony all the time. I mean, it's just, it's awful. And at least it was for me because, because it reinforced the problem with oldie, working in oldies for me. And there are these hilarious air checks of me being an oldies jock, which are just ridiculous. But the problem with me being an oldies jock is it, re it reinforced all the wrong 
habits and tendencies that I had as a DJ that I should have at that point been trying to lose. In other words, when I was an oldies jock, it was like the turn of the 90s. It was like late 80s, early 90s. And I had first started in top 40 country, you know, kind of got country gold too, and then straight top 40, which then they called, then it started, I'm so glad I don't have to talk, I memorize these terms anymore. It's like the people's front of Judea. Uh, then I started working in not top 40, but rock 40, which was like a harder, it was the same thing where it was like a, just a small number of songs played to freaking death, but they were all rock songs. But they all had the same delivery, which is where you would turn the mic down really low, and then just scream into it and talk about songs coming up and another nonstop music jam and just all of that. But the thing is, it was like right at the end of the era of all. In other words, it was like it was like at this point, it was like learning how to fix a VHS tape. Like I was learning all these skills that were about to become totally useless. There you go. But then I went into oldies where they still do all that stuff. Uh, you know, and then I was like, you know, they're coming up. We got another one for the four tops later on. Elvis Presley, and uh, this is uh, Neil Diamond. This is Cracklin Rosalie. Uh, you know, on your oldie station, and uh, Kelly, and you know, and just and, and but learning all of these horrible habits. Then it was my my final radio thing. Then it was like this whiplash, head snapping format change. I say now speaking basically only to Craig Adams again. That I went from. Top 40 to oldies, where it's the big boss jock, stupid, big, real Don steel delivery, into straight AOR. And AOR is like a, you know, kind of like a yeah, you're, you're you know, rock station. The, the top 40 jock was, uh, had, a, had a shot of Jack in his hand. Yeah. And the, the, the AOR jock was, you know, working some beer bong. Exactly. And it's like you wouldn't, you talked kind of deliberately like this, and you wouldn't talk over a music bed, and you would, you know, you'd like what one song would end, and then there'd be something to go... That was Bachman Turner Overdrive there. They're taking care of business. And then uh, coming up, we got uh, Peter Frampton around the corner. That's Brian Adams for you. And uh, Carr's going to be in there as well on this uh, on this working Wednesday. And uh, don't forget, you get your uh, get your electric lunch requests in right now. I'm playing those for you. And you are good. I mean, you're ready to do any format in the world. But see, but it, didn't, plug but, you but, in. but it didn't sound that way. You know what it is? But, but what you're describing here is basically NPR with pitch control being jerked up just a little bit and maybe a few hipper words with some G's missing. It didn't sound that way, though, because instead of the guy going like, that's Brian Adams, then the electric lunch, I was like, Brian Adams, the electric lunch. Like, I was bringing, like, the stupid formatting you know, thing forward. So, um, all right, so there you go. So the Stooges guy, so he's, what, he was 60? It was. Yeah, that's where the dollars stopped for him. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. In Chicago, in uh, in Michigan right now, it's probably about forty. So that would be his temperature as well. Yes. Uh, according to the Ann Arbor News, his personal assistant co- contacted police late Monday after being unable to reach him. We're talking about the original uh, guitarist for the Stooges, uh, Ron Ashton. Uh, they couldn't reach him for days. When they arrived at his oh, home, uh, here's a lovely one. Here's a one where you need to have some smokers present. When they arrived at his uh, his home, they found his body on a living room couch. He appears to have been dead for at least several days. That's never good. Uh, detectives told newspaper the cause of death undetermined, but they don't suspect foul play. Autopsy toxicology results mm. are pending. And so, of course, you know, of course, the Iggy and the Stooges, you know, everybody, you know. No drugs there. Probably the biggest. Yeah. Well, that's just a thing, I think, where it's like the cumulative damage of being, like, with Iggy Pop for any length of time. I mean, you know what I mean? That's a, I think that's another thing where Iggy Pop is sort of like sucking the life force of everyone around him because that guy just abused his body and abuses his body now. He still now. stays in shape. And Seriously. Just nuts. He, he'll never stop. I mean, you know, or put on a shirt. And I mean, you're in a, I mean, you just see him and he just continues to just like that. He looks like a piece of jerky that can sing, but he just like, you get the feeling he'll never die. You haven't so, seen his liver yet, have we? No, I guess not. But I mean, he's maybe he's aging from the inside out. So there you go. So there's your snuff watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
There's your uh, snuff watch for Wednesday. I'll take a break here, but back after this. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You have that look on your face. I was just going to ask you if you could name the six Three Stooges. I mean, the guy, the guy whose dad owns a bar must be able to do this bar bet. Wait, what? I didn't understand anything Can you just Can you name said. the six Three Stooges? I think we're talking about like a gang. Like, we're no. the six Three Stooges. No, no. Um, oh, I'm going to choke now. I'll we'll do it when we come back. That. Wait, look over there. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up here in just a bit. The uh, top five for today. Top five for today. Um, let's see. Oh, we're going to have uh, Bobby Fatboy Roberts from Rock 101 KUFO join us here in a bit to uh, settle the Star Wars dispute. Uh, more news from Tom Parker here in just a second and uh, so forth. Did you, did you get this? This is the Britney thing from you? Yeah. All right. So this is, where did you see this? Where is this Britney story from? That's from, from BritneySpears.com. Well, okay, now this is, I don't even, mm, all right, I can't even really read this whole story on the air, although I guess it's very brief. So, this is uh, breaking news about Britney Spears and the, the album Circus. Uh, so, they, they've announced the third single from Britney's album. So, the first single was Womanizer, second single was Circus, which is also very good. Um, but there was a great little Britney moment the other day when Dave Zinn and I were at the front desk, and Dave was listening to the Britney album, and that song Circus came on, which is, you know, it's a great song. And Lisa Wood was there. Uh, from uh, you know the, the uh, uh, she does Viva La Luna and she's the promotion director at Rock 101 KUFO, and Lisa Wood came by and Dave and I were talking about Britney Spears and just nerding out about it and it was just like I love this Britney Spears single it's really great it's got an infectious pop hook and I can you know whatever and Lisa came by and she was just like I've heard enough Britney Spears and she just like all this like disproportionate rage and then she like stomped off down the hallway, um, so uh, Womanizer first single Circus the second single, and so now from BritneySpears.com they are saying that Britney's third single is going to be this track whose title I cannot say on the air because it is, I believe, what the FCC would determine to be an unacceptable double entendre. And in fact, the weird thing about it is that same double entendre forms almost the entirety of the hook. So I have no... And another, you know, and it's catchy. It's got a great melody and everything, but it's mm-hmm. like... But it's like when you talk to Paddock and he said there's no way in hell he'd put it on jam. I, I had asked Paddock about that. I said, I said, you know, I said, you know, like just out of curiosity, and I and I apologize for being so vague about it. You go online, you look it up. This is the um, uh, this you'll see it. It's uh, the, the the song has the has the word. Uh, the song has the if name. You're feeling Amy left out at home now. I've got to go look it up Here, myself. I'll show you. Well, oh, you're going to show me, but not tell name. them. Don't, yeah, don't say that out loud. But that's the name of the song. I see. 
And it's it, one of those things that to the eye is very clever, but yes. when you sing it, it's going to be so brilliantly there clear. Is a, yeah. There's an old April Wine song, actually. Those uh, AOR fans in the house, uh, rock, rock dudes, will remember a band called April Wine, most famous for a song simply called I Like to Rock. <laughs> and April Wine had this song about a girl named Kay, and it was about, uh, you know, you should tell her, you should tell Kay hello. If you see her? If you see her. And this Re is rework that. This is very similar to that. And I asked Paddock, I'm like, you know, I told him and I predicted it. I said, this is a huge song. This is a great song. I said, is there any way anybody would ever play it? And he looked at me, he's like, no effing way. It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, we'll see. All right. Um, let's do a couple. Uh, uh, watch it. We'll do the watch. Joy Christmas. We'll do a couple stories and we'll do the. Uh, These are five. lovely stories, too. For uh, Do we have Christmas music for the yes, Christmas Yes, we do. One? All right, ladies oh, and gentlemen, man, here is your just, joy of Christmas. Well, you thought you'd purged it from your system. For Wednesday. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Tom Parker, joy of Christmas. We take you to Northampton where a perfect storm of high winds against a disposed Christmas tree launched the tree into the front grill of a passing Ford. Uh, on December 30th, police were called to the area at uh, uh, about 10 to 1 in the afternoon for a report of a, quote, single car accident involving a Christmas tree. According to the police log, uh, when officer According to the police log, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although, if you've ever, just to digress for a moment, if you've ever read the log, the police blotter or stuff, some of these people have a lot of fun writing things down. There is no, let me trying, just tell you I this. mean, that's a boring job, so you're trying to figure out ways to put it in words that your at least your cohorts will chuckle over. Can I tell you this? If you ever, like, find yourself, you know, nothing to do, you want to kill 15 minutes on a Saturday or something, you got yourself maybe a laptop, computer, something... You go and you read the police blotters from small towns. It's fan. I mean, in big cities, for I don't know for some reason, you, in big cities it's all just like a maiming and you know and a stabbing and a guy gets shot in the head. Small towns, that's where the hilarious news is. Everything, every all of the crime in small towns tends to be bizarre and funny. There's nothing happening. You, this is no. where somebody breaks into their somebody else's house, turns on Cartoon Network, and drinks all their beer. Totally. And it makes the police blotter because there's nothing else happening. Exactly. So this is the guy's driving along in a tree, just what launches just, itself into the car. When, uh. when officer arrived. It is a big windstorm. Much like today, folks. So hopefully your neighbor has recycled theirs. The driver of a 1998 Escort, oh, I'm sorry, said he was motoring along the road when a Christmas tree that was left on the curb for recycling became airborne and, quote, blew into the grill of the car. That's almost impressive, though, that I mean, like, those are some big-ass winds, I would think. I mean, how, mm -hmm. I mean, a tree weighs... I mean, this is like a little tiny miniature. It looks like a Charlie Brown tree. I mean, that's, a, that's a large, that's a big piece of wood. Pick up and go. I, I sense shenanigans there. A tree can't blow, like, into a car. Oh, sh that's a, but, that, but that, that implies that it's airborne somehow. Well, it could have fallen. They don't say here, but it could have fallen off a truck. could have been blown off curbside recycling. Oh, okay. So the, I thought, oh, that's true. It I doesn't it say the in the story, but no, somehow or another uh, it got going. But it, trust me, Rick, uh, you've been here in the in the uh, lovely shelter of this bunker all day. It is nasty out there today. See, and I... No mm. doubt in my mind that at least... Help me on this, anybody listening, if you have not seen your, you know... Neighbors five blocks away, trash cans blow by your house today. Uh, you aren't living. No, see, I, it was see when I left this morning. It wasn't. I, it didn't seem to be bad at all. I was. Uh, I was in a rush. I had to get to Beavers and Grove Kelly Clark, so I couldn't really. I wasn't really able to. Uh, you know, to register it the way that I might ideally. Uh, well, you got to prioritize. Jesus. Well, you know. Make hay while the sun is shining, Sarah. 
Anywho, uh, uh, back in the yes. uh, back in the Christmas joy of Christmas news, we take you now to. Well, I know that, and for good reason, you look at stories from Australia with a jaundiced eye, and well, you should. Uh, Destin, a 47-year-old man who allegedly exposed himself to a family on Christmas Day, and then to deputies who arrived in response to their complaints, has been charged. Somebody's with, pretty proud of him. Charged with lewd or lascivious exhibition to a minor. On the afternoon of December 25th, anyone know, knows what wonderful day? Yes, Christmas. A man, his wife, and the man's 11-year-old daughter were walking their dog along Harbor Boulevard in Destin when they encountered Roy Ronald Rowell Jr. As they passed, Rowell said, nice dog. That's when the father noticed that Rowell's business was hanging out of a hole ripped out of the crotch of his jogging pants, according to the report. The father asked the guy, are you for real? Rowell then grabbed his package and said, yeah, nice dog. And when the deputy asked him to explain himself, he exposed himself to the officer. This guy's not... Yeah. After he was read his rights, Rowell said he hadn't meant to expose himself to the family. He also stated he didn't understand why they were looking at him. However, as he was being questioned, he exposed his uh, package several more times, the Christmas package, and uh, he was asked repeatedly to close his legs. The aristocrats! <laughs> the joy of Christmas. Uh, there's your joy of Christmas. Wow. Good call, Sarah. I doubted, I have to say, for a moment. I doubted, uh, you know, the, your decision to go forward with the joy of Christmas. I uh, doubted the whole way through. <laughs> all right, Tom Park, I'm going to hand you the uh, top five here. We'll play our opening theme. Okay. And then we'll have you do the... Uh, we'll have the five, there you go. four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. All right, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, I, uh, I'm still getting email about the Kelly Clark thing. Uh, and and by the way, everybody keeps saying, you mean that since you've been gone, not Kelly Clarkson. And I'm no. sure that Kelly Clark is tired of hearing that. Uh, no, she writes, uh, she's a lovely uh, young lady uh, who writes for Willamette Week. She's the arts and culture editor, actually, to be specific. And the problem uh, and lies powerful. in your mere loveliness, according to Mr. Uh, oh, and also Mr. She's Emerson's subconscious. Quite brainy. Uh, and so forth. So you were groping her brain. I didn't. Yes. <laughs> uh, just, so that, real quick, we've got this. Uh, let's see. What is the big deal about... This is from a man, by the way. What is the big deal about touching? It says, girls touch me all the time when they talk to me. I mean, all the time. But none of them want me, or do they? I'm not this blind, am I? Man, I'm clueless. Hold on. Sarah's got an insight to this. Yeah, it depends, I guess. I mean, you do touch people that you like a lot. If it's with the palm of their hand pushing you, that's not a good thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> that kind of touching, probably not into you. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're like having if you, a, ca a casual conversation. Well, if, I'm like, if I'm kind of grossed up by somebody or if I don't want to be near them, like, the last thing I want to do is put my hand on them. That's true. So, I mean, at the very least, it's not bad. Yeah, so at the very least, it's like, okay, you, you seem like a nice enough person. All right. So, there, so it could be an innocuous, I respect you as a human but being. At the very most, you know, if I'm sitting as a guest on some TV show and the host starts groping me on, on TV, I'd be a little upset. Not nearly as upset as other people are going to be later. <laughs> Oh, by the way, before, before we launch uh, into this top five, I've got, to, I've got to share with the, uh, the the audience members here a little more behind the scenes on these two. We're on the hallway during one of the breaks, and honestly, honestly, I can't make this up. The conversation between Rick and Sarah was, I can't remember one of the songs in the top five forgettable songs of the 90s. That's true. That's and true. then they proceeded to go after that with 
It's taking a while oh, before the irony sunk in. We wanted to get it posted on the website. We're trying to archive the top five because people. <laughs> and we're both we're obsessed until we found out and we did figure it out. People are liking it. What was that top five? And I can never, you know, I always forget it as the shows. Then I toss it in the trash. And so Richie, God bless him, is trying to archive all of our top fives. And so on Monday we did these top five bands you've completely forgotten about. And yes, Richie's like, what was the other one? We're like, I don't know, man. You remember it? No, it was like right back in the refuse pile. Thank you, Tom. All right, here's your uh, top five. And um, now we take a moment to ponder the power of percussion. While often relegated to the background, the drummer can set the tone for a band, an album, or a song. With that in mind, we take a visit to the archives to remember to re-celebrate these, the top five drum intros of all time. Honorable mention, Aerosmith. Walk this way. So this is this is really a short intro, but it's just the very definition of iconic. I mean, everybody on Earth know, and I'll just do that one more time at the beginning. Everybody on Earth knows that. Which is, and here's the thing about some of these drum intros, they're not that unique in and of themselves. And I know I just said that unique, and that's a binary state, but you know what I mean. It's like there's nothing all that exceptional about it. It's not like Neil Peart or some crap. I mean, it's just. Singing over Mr. Emerson. Can you get that to knock it off? Sorry. Who does he think he was? <laughs> what is he doing? Wait, there you go. Steven Tyler uh, bringing what um, what run from Run DMC called a bunch of hillbilly gibberish. Well, and Who then, can disagree? And then all of us are doing the white man's overbite to it. <clears throat> yes. Bobbing our heads. Number five on the five on the top five drum intros of all time, Led Zeppelin, When the Levee Breaks. Perhaps the most sampled rock drums of all time. Hello, Fever Dog. Totally. It, well, I, I, you know, I hadn't even really ever thought about that as many times as I've seen that movie. All right, now i got to do it again. I'm sorry, i got to play it one more time. Yeah, see, I'm ashamed of myself for never, because I always just think about... I always just think about, like, the Beastie Boys and the myriad times this has shown up on hip-hop albums, but you're right, that's totally a... Even the even the tempo. Somebody ought to do like a little mashup if that hasn't already been done. Zeppelin fan, Tom Parker? Enough. Enough. I don't know what that means. That's sort of in between. It's a yeah. non-answer. Led Zeppelin I've become very burnt out on because for some reason classic rock stations think that they it's a new release. I don't know. Well, or that, I mean, Zeppelin put out uh, ten albums. Yeah. And you figure, you average 10 songs a record. That's 100 songs. You know, there really is something. And here's, a, I have a question for you, Tom Parker. You were a DJ for many years. Guilty. What is, what is the deal with this? What is the deal with certain, uh, with some radio stations, and it's typically oldies, sta- or uh, uh, classic rock stations. What is the deal with uh, classic rock stations feeling like there are certain songs that must be played back-to-back, even when they're not, like, when they're two different songs. For example, uh, for example, Zeppelin, they always, always play Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Made back-to-back. Always. You will never hear those two songs played separately. And it's, like, completely arbitrary. There's no reason for it. Well, but but some of those are just so great. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is the next song... In that case, is so good. It's like do you make her? Uh, when you when you crank that thing up, it's got a great beginning lick, so it makes a great transition. I'm guessing that that's what it's all about. Maybe they do that it's with like, a, when you start Santana, Black Magic Woman. I mean, the beginning of that is. Just, I try never to do that. Well, yeah, but it's the same concept. It's, it's a low organ thing that does a nice segue. Well, segue thing. It's like they do that with um, We Are the Champions. We will rock you too. You oh, yeah. always hear those back to back. Oh yeah. Oh, very strange. Let's just take one moment though, just to listen to that. 
Drums recorded in a stairwell, I think. All right, there you go. Top five drum intros of all time. Not Some a drum machine, by the way. And here to show Mr. Emerson's uh, eclectic taste and great, uh, great knowledge of the, the various uh, ends of the spectrum, number four, top five drum intros of all time, Benny Goodman and his orchestra, Sing, Sing, Sing. Yeah, what a great song this is. By the way, you know what I didn't realize until after this list was already put together? Is that one of the songs coming up later in the list actually just flat out stole this. I won't, I won't give it away. Uh, this is such a great song. Oh. oh, yeah. And our grandpas knew what they were into. Well, I mean, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to be all Mr. Holland's opus where I talk about, no, 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 kids, they had rock and roll then. They just called it Beethoven. Or, you know, something where you're trying to convince people sure. that music was edgy. But this is... I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense-sounding song. Well, and you think about this against the background that the, this music was introduced in. You know, "Be My Honey Bunny" in the uh, good old summertime. I mean, totally. all this innocuous little syrupy stuff, and along come these guys that blew the lid off it. It is uh, no coincidence, by the way, that if you've seen, I'm a big Woody Allen fan. You see the movie, the Woody Allen film "Deconstructing Harry," one of his finest works, and there is a sequence where Woody Allen's character goes to hell, where the devil is is Billy Crystal, but Woody Allen goes to hell. And hell is, of course, this completely debauched Bacchanalian place. And a song playing in hell constantly in a loop is this song. Really? And Woody's a big clarinet guy. He is. That's true. Uh, uh, but it's because this song is just sort of so relentless. And it's got these... I can see it. I mean, it, listen to that. That's a drummer. And it's this build again. for builds right here. I mean, that's, uh, that's dynamics. Listen to that build. I know it's kind of sad, but the song always reminds me of the math. No, that's Isn't fine. It? Oh, yeah, it does have that, yeah. Although that was some good dancing by Carmen Diaz. Mm-hmm. Carmen wow. Diaz. Yeah. All right. Canada Top 5 Drum Intros of All Time. All right. Parker. Number three uh, comes from the uh, deep vinyl groove cut by Alice Cooper, yeah. Billion Dollar Baby. None of these are we giving the actual drummer credit. Uh, this is... Uh, see, I know you were going to do that to me. Uh, the drummer for the original uh, Alice Cooper was not done. Not Michael... It's not It's not Glenn Buxton. It's not Michael Bruce. It's not Dennis Dunaway. Or is it? I think it's Dennis Dunaway. See, that's one of those things I wouldn't know. Alice Cooper, Michael Bruce, Dennis Dunaway, Glenn Buxton. Oh, God. Uh, you know what it is, and I'm choking on it. This is, uh, and probably all the guys in the band I just named are not the drummer. Oh, I'm a terrible person. Damn you, Tom Parker. What a creepy song it still is. Eric Singer? <laughs> it's not Eric Singer. I'll give you that. And the great thing about it is... Eric Singer wasn't born when this was true. They must have known, too, what a great hook that the drum pattern and the guitar is, because they repeat it, like, 15 times. In fact, that... You know. Yeah, and to, and to get off of this genre, I mean, look at Motown. I mean, you, if we recall that if you have not seen the fabulous documentary called Standing in the Shadows of Motown, you really should, because on all of those songs, it was the same set of studio musicians, totally. many of whom were improvising, and yeah. then it became, they were hired out of jazz clubs in Detroit totally. in the late 50s, early 60s. But the drummer 
on that. You listen to the beginning of Same Old Song or any of a number of these things, just sets the tone oh, and yeah. drives oh, these things. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, these drummers, just, you know. Neil Smith. That's his name. There, there you go. go. See? Um, Neil Smith. Just real quickly before we move on to number two, let me say this about that, about Motown. Motown, if you, you've seen Standing in the Shadows of Motown, obviously. Well, great movie. Joan Osborne, the most soulful person in the pack. I think. Of the singers they had that day. Oh, okay. Uh, that's between you and your God, I suppose. The uh, I, I'm, I'm. You think? I, 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 yeah, I'm not a. I thought on the film. I thought she built. She blew everybody else off. Moving forward to a place of common ground, Tom Parker. The no, but that guy who is the in-house drummer no, for Motown. No, this is like the gun amazing. control. We're never going to agree on this. <laughs> <laughs> the and also the guy who drummed on the Stax records, like the whole Not I'm Coming by Sam and yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soul Man, all of those. You know, like those, oh, like um, uh, uh, um, Mr. Pitiful or Hard to Handle by Otis Redding. Just like the unbelievable feel and timing on those drums. I don't know who it is that drummed on the Otis Redding tracks, for example, but that guy, probably some guy from Booker T and the MGs, you know, because they were kind of a house band around there. Sure. Just an amazing, yeah, just fantastic. All right, top five drum intros of all time. Tom Parker. Number two, Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine. Another great build here. And then they, all the instruments kind of fall into lockstep there. Like, and it's just kind of, it's like this weird spiraling sort of sound where it almost feels like you're losing your place in the song because it's like all these instruments sort of whipping around as the drums repeat this pattern. It's uh, Adam Sorum, or Matt Sorum. Did I say Adam Sorum? Matt Sorum. Sorum. What a great song. It's uh, Use Your Illusion 2. Fantastic. By the way, it's interesting how we've all just forgotten that Chinese democracy exists. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about the other day, and I actually found myself... Start, we were talking about Guns N' Roses, and I found myself starting to say, Well, do you think he's ever going to release the Chinese... Oh, wow. Canada, the top five drum intros of all time. Tom Parker, what might number one be? Well, it's funny you should ask, Rick. I would have to say number one top five drum intros of all time... Adamant's Goody Two-Shoes. Yeah. Which I realize now is stolen from Benny Goodman. I don't know yeah. why I didn't put it together earlier. Even the kind of build there. you know, And they even do the horn section. I'm so filled with shame. Listen to that. Stolen. You know what? But I was honest. I didn't go back and, and sort of reconfigure the top five to make myself look smarter than I am. I love this song. This is really just one of the best pop songs uh, of its time. Just one endless adrenaline rush. You know the song, don't you, Sarah? Oh, yeah. yeah I can't tell something. Sometimes with you, there's weird pockets where you know it, and then weird pockets, like with me, where I just won't recognize you know, something that I should. And the great thing about this song is... The great production trick here, whoever produced this, is they know never to change the drum pattern because that's what keeps the tension. Like, it never changes. It's just that same looping sort of rhythm over and over again because they know that's the tension that propels the song. God damn, I love music. I could listen to this song over and over. You know, the funny like thing, ten hours. Funny thing about music, and you know, we talked about. Or I mentioned that, that, that great jazz stuff like Vinnie Goodman was mm-hmm. our grandparents' generation or our parents' generation, as the case might be. 
every generation thinks that they have a complete and utter corner on great music, that they have completely thrown off the last one, and they've got the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, not un- not unlike the way every generation thinks they've got a corner on lust. Totally. The, 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 uh, well, somebody, I think... John Mellencamp or somebody, actually, he was the one that said that. I think he said that nostalgia is like sex. It's like every generation thinks they're the first ones to go, I found this great thing. You know, they're the first ones to, to sort of experience it. Um, dude, I've, I've said, actually, and then we'll, we'll go to a break. The, the one thing I've said is that you know, there's that movie, The Big Chill, which is a great movie in a lot of ways. The Big Chill, in, in, in many, many ways, is, is a fine film. And I know a lot of people in my generation like to disparage it, you know, hippies and whatever. The, the Big Chill's a great film, but there is that moment in The Big Chill that represents to me everything I never, ever, ever want to be in my life. And it's where they're getting ready to play, you know, they're like going, the, you know, they're all going to get high or whatever. And so they're looking through the record collection. And Jeff Goldblum says to Kevin Klein, hey, don't you have any music from like this decade? And Kevin Klein says, there is no other music, not in this house. And I was like, that is what I don't ever want to turn into. So I don't ever want anybody to say, ah, music, you know, let me just tell you about, you know, Bon Jovi. That was music. You kids today with your seven dust, you know, or whatever. I think, uh, I think you have to seek what makes it work for you. I think, I think that if you can somehow get yourself into the soul of the moment of what they're expressing, you can appreciate any generation's music. That's what I'm saying. Tom Parker, you're a good person. That is a great way to look at it. You've got to put it in context. You have to put it in context. And it's no more than saying that era is better than, you know, 40 years prior. You You're have one of us, to Tom think Carter. of the context. Take a break. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. And, uh... Don't worry. Uh, like us at 3, Mike Amaro Show at 7. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer and, uh, uh Mr. Skin. And we're going to... Tr- By the way, we're going to try to... Oh, damn, damn... Damn me to hell. All right, well, never mind. Thanks. Uh, I think Is this tom- just self-loathing or something? No, you're no, it's one of those things I realized I forgot to do. Um, so probably tomorrow, I think we're going to be talking to somebody from Hell's Bells. Uh, they're going to be playing at Dante's on Saturday. They're doing the most righteous thing, by the way. They're playing Highway to Hell and Back in Black all the way through in their entirety, which is like the best thing I've ever heard. So um, I think probably tomorrow we're going to be talking to somebody from Hell's Bells. Also, I don't want to jinx myself. I'm kind of on... I almost don't want to say it out loud. I'm on the trail. I'm pursuing. Uh, Don't say it. Don't say it, because I know exactly what you're talking about. When you utter something that is going to possibly happen, all of a sudden it okay. goes goes to doo-doo. All right, well, there you go. And then the next thing you know, somebody's putting it on themselves in an airline. Uh, Should I write it down and show it to you all? No. No, don't even tell us. Cause that <laughs> Tom, be no! Be quiet! I don't want to know about what's here when I'm not. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll do uh, a whole bunch of other stuff to get through, by the way, including the fact that I'm still getting the... Um, how about this one? Uh, let's see. Listen to this. Peggy versus Joan. Rick, Peggy is the better and stronger character, and it was a good compliment, says this guy. Now, wasn't this the character who was pregnant and didn't know it? Well, she hid a baby, and a bit of it still not hit, but hid uh, a baby. But, but, but none of us is perfect. But Tom the Parker. essence of it was she didn't know she was pregnant. Well, it was a simpler it was a time. time. Com- <laughs> listen to this: comparing a woman to Joan would make it seem like they work hard, but no one respects them and thinks of them only as eye candy. See, so no, so really, you don't want to compare, uh, you know, a woman to Joan. How about this? Um, 
Peggy slash Joan. Uh, Rick, while you went full-on douche referring to Cheryl as Peggy, I do agree it would have been much worse to call her Joan. See, the men, see, what surprises me, the men are all on board here. Is that Fat Boy's cell phone? Uh, sorry, no, my, my cell phone does the... Uh, I thought I'd fat boy silence this. Yeah. Rock 101K, my call. cell phone does the Cylon noise. Uh, he says, I do agree it would have been much worse to call her Joan. Joan has no sense of self. No one really respects her. She's the office ride and relies on being sexed up to have an identity. At least Peggy is driven and making her own way. And then he says... Doesn't excuse your douchiness, though. Sorry, you might as well have said my chick will take care of it. She does my bidding, and that's woman's work. Nicely, <laughs> nicely done. Nicely that much of an explanation. There's obviously there's people who think one way, and then people who think another. Well, I, th I think people are sort of playing down the element of uh, mentor and apprentice that goes on with Don and Peggy. Always two there are, Bobby. Yes, always two. Or the lever. I mean, yeah, she might be a strong, independent woman, but she also worships him. Wait, are we talking about uh, Cheryl or Peggy? No, I don't know. I don't know your relationship. I don't think they're Cheryl. talking about Cheryl in any way, shape, or form. That's what I think too, because I'm like, if you're if you're comparing yourself to Don, to Don Draper, and then you know you know Peggy would do anything for Don. Well, that seems kind of narcissistic on your part. Well, no. I don't know. After the end of season two, I don't think Peggy would do anything I for think. Don anymore. I think she, I think she's going to start thinking they're equals at this point. Actually, having listened to the show all day, I'm assuming he's actually referring to Kelly. He's hoping that that's the one who will do anything. I saw. I was hoping we'd moved off of that. <laughs> all right. Well, in any event, um, so I don't. The, the okay. all right, and I don't even really know. Here's the thing: I don't know what percentage of the audience at this point. I mean, I don't know what percentage of the you know whatever the the, the group of people listening are are also Mad Men watchers, but it is worth considering. Uh, you think on this area, it's worth considering that we that, you know we I don't know, we put it to the people at some point. But before mm -hmm. we do that, before we do that, mm -hmm. so uh, Bobby Fatboy Roberts, Rock One One K UFO, Court and Fatboy Three to Seven, yes, and so forth and blah blah. Uh -huh. Okay, so I was um. I was out uh, with uh, Jason Crump and Aaron Geek in the City Duran last night. Yes. And you would think at this point in 2009, all of the Star Wars discussions or debates or arguments or disagreements that could ever happen have already taken place and been settled, right? At, at, at least three or four times over. Right. Like, that's the thing. It's like, there's just, like you know, you figured it all out. He's Especially not... between Jason and Aaron. Yeah, like he's not saying Carrie. Move on. Yeah. Uh, so... I brought up The Godfather, because you guys are going to be showing The Godfather this Friday. Yeah, this Friday right? at the Baghdad. And um, so... I was bringing up the fact, I said, you know, every time I watch The Godfather, there's this thing that bugs the hell out of me. It's mm -hmm. the moment that takes me out of the film. And it's the moment when uh, when uh, Michael Corleone and Kay are leaving the theater, yeah. and they're walking by the newsstand, and they look down, and they see the New York Post or whatever, and it says, Vito Corleone gunned down in gangland, whatever, feared dead. Yeah. And Michael doesn't see it, and Kay says, Michael, and he picks it up, and he goes, they don't say if he's dead or alive. And then, you know, and, and, then, and then they just, like, walk off. And at no point ever does the guy running the newsstand go, ten cents. Yeah, bastard. Like, and they don't know he's Michael Corleone. He's unknown at that You've point. You talked about that before. That really keeps you. Bugs the hell out of me. Like, at no point does the guy go. You gotta pay. Yeah. Nick. So. And he would have at that. point. He probably would have said something the instant Michael touched the right. paper. Like, awesome. hey, not free, not a library. Exactly. That would be a good high concept yeah. about like little things in movies that are very well known. Tomorrow. Like. He's okay. writing it down. Like give one. Grim okay, can yeah. I give one? Yes. Like in Gremlins, when you're not supposed to feed a gremlin after midnight. When the hell is after midnight? That's and what I'm when saying. does stopping after midnight happen? Is it like midnight to 6 a.m.? Like you know you've been feeding at 6 a.m.? Eastern time. They actually bring that up in the sequel, Gremlins and the people too. who ask the question get eaten. Yeah. So. It is so frustrating. <laughs> somebody's like, like, never, ever feed them after midnight. In Gremlins 2, which you really ought to see, it's a hilarious movie, because almost, it almost works as a parody. Yeah. There's actually a guy in Gremlins 2 who's all like, okay. What if you're on an airplane crossing the international date line? Oh, my God. You know? I yeah. Do that. What if you got... And then the other... It reflects me. We're all that... yelling at the TV, like, what is after midnight? There is another guy who's going like, all right, what if you eat and then you're finished? 
but you got a little piece of food stuck in your teeth. <laughs> and then they swallow it later. Now, is that eaten, Mr. Gremlin Man? And it's like, it, it, it's great. Gremlins 2 is great because they... They confront all of that stuff head on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a big fat Looney Tunes yeah. of a movie. Which, I mean, it even has a Looney Tunes intro. It has like a legitimate, honest to God, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny cartoon at the beginning. I would say one of the most underrated sequels of all time. Oh yeah. Relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Um. You know. Anyway, so that thing in The Godfather, and they can fix it with ADR, like now. Yeah, but you pay for that. You know, th- done, <laughs> finished. Watch it for six. Well, then there'd there be all kinds of like, uh, I don't know, Godfather goons on the message boards, right. whining and crying. I'm just saying, a special edition. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Was Jabba running the newsstand? Yeah. All right. Coppola raped my childhood or something. So I'm out uh, with uh, with with Aaron and Jason last night, and I we're talking about you guys showing the Godfather, okay. and I bring up the thing of like, you know what bugs me, and I bring it up, and Aaron goes, you know what just started bugging me about Alderaan, and. <laughs> And, and so Alderaan or Alderaan? Is it Alderaan or Alderaan? It's Alderaan. Alderaan. And that is the planet uh, that they blow up in front of Leia to demonstrate, you know, the, the power of the Death Star. Yeah. It's like, but they are a peaceful people or yeah. whatever she says. There are no weapons of any kind. You can't possibly. You prefer another target, a military target, then name the system. Yeah. Um, but you just moved <laughs> in with a woman, so, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, a woman. Bobby and Bobby are living together? Oh, yeah. That ha- we, moved, we moved her in the day... Portland got hit with snowpocalypse. Wait, so did the you blizzard rent, so Saturday. She's, she's probably had about enough by now. <laughs> so did you rent a house together, or yeah, did we, she move we, in? She okay. moved into my house, so. Okay. So yeah. your existing residence, she now lives in it. Yeah, house. and we actually made it through the snowpocalypse two weeks straight, like, together, 24-7, and yeah. didn't even get in a fight. That's a good sign. You had didn't a new, and you, you know when You got a new iMac. Yeah, and I got an iMac out of the deal, because she wasn't using it. She moved hers over, and I'm like, yeah. I wrote something on my blog about I'm writing this on a new Mac, and, like, it, Bobby immediately sends me, like, I'm on a new Mac, too. It's fantastic. These keys feel like butter beneath my fingers. We should be Mac friends. Let's be Mac friends. I want to lick these icons on the screen. They're jolly and candy-like. They taste like snozzberries. Anyway, so I'm at dinner last night. With Aaron and Jason, and Aaron's like, you know what? Something bugs me about Alderaan, and it's that thing where they blow it up with the Death Star, and then Obi Wan says, and I brought the quote up on the screen to make sure I get it right. He says, "It's as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced." Yeah. Right? Yeah. He senses the great disturbance in the Force, and then Aaron goes, "But Alderaan's a whole planet. How could there only be millions?" And then they got into this massive argument about the population of Alderaan and whether it was. Lazy writing, because Aaron was insisting it has to be at least a billion. How could there only be millions? He's like, there's millions in Washington, and so then Jason and Aaron went on this full-on smackdown yeah. about the size of that planet and how oh, many people geez. might be on it. And so now my question to you is, yeah, is that pathetic? Is it? <laughs> when? <laughs> okay. Wow. Thread closed. That's it. Um, this thread has been locked. Future comments have been disabled. <laughs> Please contact the moderator with any questions. My hair is a bird. Your argument is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, the, 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 so the question was, like, is that factually inaccurate when Obi-Wan says that? Do you believe? Is uh, there any statement about the population of that planet? I believe uh, somewhere... You could probably check the radio dramas or maybe one of those role-playing game things. I, don't, I think it's mostly like rainforest on Alderaan. So I don't think there's that many people there. So it is possible that it could only be millions. My problem with that line is it's poorly written. No. It's as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Like you don't need suddenly twice? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I, I was taught, that was one of my first, uh, you know, teachings in grammar school when you're writing stuff in, stuff in creative writing or whatever. Right. Don't use the same word that close together in a sentence. It, it makes you sound like a well, fool. Well, they, they have a thesaurus, uh, you know, around exactly. in most stores. You know, you can yeah. buy one of those. So, yes. I mean, for We're all of... Abruptly silenced. Yes. And for all of Kevin Smith's, you know, failings, that's a guy who always has a thesaurus. <laughs> that's a guy who's got his rogers, like, right there. That's a guy who should make message board the movie. 
That's really what he's building. You trademark that. You patent that idea right now. <laughs> Message board the movie. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. So, right. Thank you so much. Uh, plug the uh, plug the thing. The oh movie. yeah, the uh, the midnight movie coming up Friday at the Baghdad Theater. It's a it's a charity event. Our our January midnight movies are always uh, charity events. We're trying to raise more money for Trillium Family Services. So it's uh, ten dollars at ten p.m. That's when we're starting the movie because it's about five years long. And uh, if we started it at our normal time, you wouldn't be getting out of there until Excellent. 2012. So um, yes, ten dollars, ten p.m. Baghdad Theater. We're showing The Godfather. And from what I've been told um, it's a restored print. When uh, Coppola went back to make sure that The Godfather looked nice on Blu-ray, right. he had some print the Coppola struck. collection. Yeah, he had yeah. some print struck from that. So we're showing it on 35mm struck from a remastering. That's beautiful. So it's going to look really good. It's probably going to look better than it looked in 72 when it first came out. Yeah, those dies don't hold up well at all in the vault. So no, they, they don't. To get it restruck is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's, it did, I was actually talking to um, Dave McDonald, our general manager, actually. Yeah. He, he has this whole thing, which I get, you know, people... You're talking about Mac the Knife. Oh, never mind. Sorry. That was the industry nickname for him? Oh, no. Industry joke. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. Wow. No. That's, of course, not a thing I would ever say. That's Tom Parker. That is one of his employees. You wouldn't. I'm an employee right now. I had no idea. My landlord is hoping I'm going to be an employee tomorrow, friend. What is what is what does a bridge smell like he when just it's on fire? Up like, oh, you're talking about Jack the Ripper, aren't you? Anywho, uh, oh, oh, Mac the Knife, his real name. Yes, <laughs> that's who you're talking about. He had this whole thing though. He was saying like, that no matter the situation, no matter what you're doing or where you are, let's say you're about to be fired uh, yeah. for insubordinate comments made on your radio program. He said there's a Godfather <laughs> quote for every single situation, yes, there is. which is weird because I've been working on that for the Wire too. I mm-hmm. think that, like for the Wire, there is a quote for every such single situation oh, yeah. in life. Oh, the one that's been uh, resonating with me lately in regards to the wires you think it's you think it's the one way but it's that other way it's just so simple it's so zen because it's, it's not just the other way it's it's that other way like there's only one possible other way that your life could have gone and you were stupid for not knowing it was going that way see that is the that's see the the other one is the s is f which yeah. i can't say that. and that flows a lot better than um you know uh, you got the jump hidden in the dip you feel me which just makes you sound like a retard unless you're, unless you're omar a little all right, Bobby, uh, Fatboy Roberts, yes. Rock 101, KUFO, 3 to 7. Thank you. All right, take a break. Back after this with Tom Parker, your phone calls. I see folks uh, lingering on the lines. We'll get to you around the corner. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay there. Mr. Mc... Mr. McDonald on line three. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This question is for Sarah. Uh, we'll get calls here in just one second, by the way. It says, uh, Rick, I just watched the first season of Lost. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm going back and watching all the seasons. Oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? Oh, you're you're screwed. <laughs> I burned through the two-hour series opening in five episodes last night. I'm now sucked in. What I want to know from Sarah is... If I need to burn through as much as I can before the season premiere this month, or if I can watch the season premiere this month without seeing every single preceding episode. I'd say if you're committing to it, do it now. Like, do it, because, you know, and plus, if you are a big fan of Lost anyway, you won't be able to stop yourself. Because I was able, I, I did it in about a month, all three of the first seasons. But the episodes are long. They're like 50 minutes a piece, and they're like now, you know, 20 episodes a season. Would you say if they're a, um, if there's a time crunch and he's not able to watch all of the preceding episodes... I try to watch as many as possible. But he could still pick up the season season premiere? You yeah, think? yeah, I guess. I mean, but he won't be as attached to the characters, I suppose. All right. And when and is that? 
I, it's, I think at the end of this month. I don't know. I've, I've been so off of Lost for, you know, so long. They've strung us along for, what, nine months? Yeah. You know, Kelly Clark is having a, uh, she's having a kickoff uh, potluck for the uh, Did she season. Did 4.5. No. <laughs> no, it's almost hard to believe that I wasn't invited. <laughs> Maybe it's I funny could... how she tells you about things she's doing yet doesn't invite you. While dropping the word husband into the sentence like five times. Hmm. Uh, and restraining order alternately. <laughs> higher on the hey, look at this. What's this glittering on my finger? Oh, it's a huge wedding ring. Higher on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey everybody. What's up? Um, I was just a little disappointed. Van Halen didn't hit your, five, your top five list. And here's the and thing it's... about that. Um, so there's like a hundred emails that are all like, "No, Halen, you are a poser. Fail." Uh, I mean, half a teacher. That's that's. The epitome of drum solo entrances. Now, here's the thing, uh, is that Fatboy actually said the same thing. He was like, dude, you know, you were pwned, you know, no hot for teacher. But here's, <laughs> here's the reason I didn't do that, though, because I am to understand, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I am to understand that the beginning of Hot for Teacher, I mean, they kind of, like, the cymbals sort of come in later when, when Eddie Van Halen starts playing the guitar. He starts doing that, wow, 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 and he's, like, noodling. But I was to understand the beginning is not, in fact... Uh, a, a drum set that the beginning is a Harley Davidson, and it they slowed Davidson. it down. It's like a syncopated, but those aren't drums, right? So it's a Harley-Davidson Harley Davidson idol. But they, you, but they, they match over. I'm sorry. They they like uh, flow into each other. Like the starts out with the Harley, but then the drums kick in. Yeah. And, oh, oh man, I don't know. Listen, I you're like, it's just like your whole world is crumbling around it. Rick Emerson, everything I thought <laughs> totally. I knew. It's gotta be the opener. No, I guess I maybe I have to go back and listen to it now. So you know, I feel like I failed you. I don't deserve to live. All right, well, I'm sorry. Try to get try to get past your betrayal, sir. Oh, I'll sir. try. Uh, okay, Thanks. thanks. Naughty will. He'll try. Great, that's wonderful. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hello, Rick. Is this is this Andy? Is this Andy the homeschool kid? Yes. Yes. And you know, being my geek self, I have a partial answer to your Oran issue. I'm not that surprised. Go ahead. <laughs> There, uh, most of Aldrin has, and I'm quoting from the Star Wars Encyclopedia, oceans of grass. What does that mean? That means it's not inhabited. Massive but I mean, what is plains it? of grass. Okay, so it's just a, so, in other words, so those are the places where, where uh, human-type beings They're don't... very peace-loving, and they're like civilized hippies on Alderaan. On so Alderaan. What, not... What's the population of the gross national product? Does it say, yeah, does it say the actual number of people? Uh, it does not, right. which is annoying. It does say it has 8,000 subspecies of grass, though. Really? Really. Let me ask you this. Are there any entries in the Star Wars Encyclopedia that you can recite from memory, or, or large chunks of them? Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Okay, please, go. I can't recite it word for word, but I could answer any questions please, about him. Please to approximate the entry. Grand Admiral Thrawn is a chiss from the unknown regions of uh, the known Star Wars galaxy who was discovered by the Emperor and recruited and was one of his most intelligent and genius battle commanders killed by one of his slaves. Well done, sir. You have my respect, and I'm not kidding about that. Now, here's a test of how well you know the Rick Emerson show. What am I queuing up to play right now? Uh... The Ender thing that I don't remember the name for. Do you mean... Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. <laughs> yes, I think. All right. Do your parents... The answer is nothing. Do your parents have a basement? No. No, no. Do I, no, no place that, to wait, live wait, after hold. you graduate from home school. Wait, what, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. Wait, are the, is the sound not playing not on the phone? That? Did you not hear that? No. Oh, right, the whole thing. Did you mean... Ah, see, I have to go back and fix this all in post. Did you mean... Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. 
I should have known that. All right, there you go. All right. And see, so the, the, that's a thing. That's the next thing you ought to memorize, sir. All right then. All right. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. All right, there you go. Thanks. I dig that guy. Andy's pretty awesome. He's, his mom makes some bitchin' cinnamon rolls. That's not his mom. That's Andy. He made those. That is Andy who made those because he yeah. wants he wants to be a baker. That's the thing. You he guys are you guys are violating a basic thing. Uh, that uh, you remember Joanne Worley used to be on yes. Laughing a Million Years Ago. Yeah. I did a TV show in San Francisco one time. She was a guest host. I was a guest host, and somebody brought her some food. She said thank you very much and then took it to the green room and set it aside. Oh, because and I said you're not going to eat food. that. She goes never eat fan food. No, no, no. listener See, food. <laughs> we've had a, we've had a whole discussion on the show about the hierarchy of listener food. Uh, where, you know, if it's just like persons unknown who drops it off, no, you leave that for the weekend. But if it's, it's a friend of the show. They're savages to leave anything. If it's a friend of the show or if it's somebody, you know, like a... And Todd just wrote me... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I was going to say, he's starting to be a baker, though, and he made those, and they're fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. All right, Todd just wrote me the best email. It says, you say you're not going to be invested in Lost Again, but you know you will. It's just like I will. It's like the abusive husband of TV shows. <laughs> yeah, it's the that cycle is, of disappointment. That is exactly what it is. Welcome to, uh, welcome to the hell of the Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. Sarah. The, I'm not going to see Revenge of the Sith. Lucas raped my childhood. You know, or I'm not going to see Crystal Skull. And then we just keep going back. Back and back and back, taking more and more, believing that this time he's changed and really means it. Tom Parker, <laughs> God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you for coming in today, Thanks sir. Thanks for having me today. All right. Now, you are, you are welcome. And the door is always open, sir. So um, what, is your, uh, what is your email address for the people? Uh, Parker at EasyStreet.net. And I'm on Facebook with Sarah X. Dillon. Yes, we're friends. <laughs> oh, we're buddies. We're so close. You have close. to get on the Facebook. I can't still fast on Facebook. I'll do it tonight. Thank you, Tom Parker. All right. Thank you so much for helping us out. Uh, Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM. 970 the talker in the newsroom. It's Tom Parker on the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in. Wet Mistress, Britain upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donut with me. Reynolds, we're going to thank Lisa Desjardins, oh, Bob Costantini, uh, Amanda Moyer, and Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, join us tomorrow. Our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Thank you for listening. Be safe. And bye now. If you do squish it, it does have a uh, a reaction, uh, and you miss uh, an acid that can cause like dermatitis.